You're listening to the Robert Hartley Games Master Podcast. The following is the audio from my interview series, Short Rest, aired live on twitch.tv forward slash Robert Hartley GM. During the Short Rest series, I sit down with a fellow tabletop role-playing game content creator for about two hours and get to know them a bit. If you want to see the accompanying visuals at any time, you can find them on my YouTube channel by searching for Robert Hartley GM. Enjoy! Friends, fans, and fine folk, grab your drinks and snacks and come on down to short rest with me and my friend William from the Dungeon Cast. Hello, how are ya? Let's uh, test audio. Perfect! Look at this, I'm getting good at this, everybody. I'm getting good at this, no more audio goblins for Robert. And then he says that, and immediately incurs the wrath of all of his audio goblins. <laughs> How's everybody doing? How are you in chat? I see a lot of people here. They like to entertain themselves. They've got a poll going about whether, what snacks they've got. Um, so, welcome in. Uh, so, hello. How are you, William? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, so we are uh, we we are new friends. We've uh, we've uh, met each mm-hmm. other only recently. I was uh, on your podcast, and now you're here sure. on mine. Um, so uh, let's let's tell the people who you are. Uh, you are. Um, so my name is William Stark. I am the co-host, co-creator of the Dungeon Cast podcast, where we teach people how to play the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's on YouTube, it's it's on all the podcast apps out there, but essentially the show is a dynamic where I've, I'm i the veteran player of the two of us. I've been playing for 11, 12 years now. Gosh, it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> Vet- <laughs> and, uh, veteran and teach, he, teachers newbie is kind of the, the exactly, style of the show, that's the but idea you've been here. going for so long that Brian's barely newbie anymore. Yeah. yeah, he's not a newbie. He's he's quite well educated in the ways of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um. But another another dynamic of the show is um. You know, he's he's the comedy and the color commentator, while I'm more of the the straight back straight man, if you will. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I apologize that you didn't get the funnier of the two of us on. Yeah. Damn. Well, I'll have to <laughs> shoot my shot with him another time. I'm sure, he'll love to come up. Yes, yeah, so I um uh, I've been listening for a long time, and I love that dynamic. Uh, I I used to be a host of a podcast as well for a while, um, an anime themed one, and I was the Brian role in that. I a friend of mine's a weeb, and uh, and he was and, and he found out at a party one time that I'd never seen Dragon Ball Z, and he was like, "Nani?" Oh my gosh! And so he's like, "We're gonna have to we're gonna have to solve that. You're gonna have to watch it with me." And then we decided, you know what? Let's let's actually record ourselves talking about it. So he, every every week awesome. he would he would setters like and there were three of us so there was like a middle guy who was kind of like just the everyman kind of he, he wasn't a weeb he, he, but he'd seen some some anime uh right right and so we uh yeah we we, we talked about anime uh, every week and it was my sort of homework to go and watch something every week well i gotta ask like what as a person who had never seen dbz before so i imagine you started watching it as an adult like yeah we, we 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 watched it as uh we watched uh dbz kai uh which is the um truncated abridged, kind of abridged version. version and i was like yeah. this is abridged like th- there's still three <laughs> episodes of freezer yelling this yes. is the abridged yeah. version they've been yelling for three episodes and nothing's happened yep. I, don't, I we don't have yep. anything to talk about this week because nothing's happened <laughs> Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I remember. He's like, yeah, that, that, I remember that. That was all part of the DBZ uh, experience, like mm-hmm. getting home from school and watching. And you're like, what's it gonna be? Are they gonna blow up the planet? Nope, not yet. <laughs> it's too funny. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah funnily think... enough, DBZ comes on the show, on our show, all the time. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, me and Brian are just of that generation, and we both have a deep, deep love of that anime. Yeah. Yeah. We, I am, um, having watched it as an adult, I was like, man, I can, I can see it's, it's got really interesting characters, but man, was it slow. And, uh, and, mm-hmm. and we ended up only watching till the end of the freezer arc. Um, okay. Uh, and okay. I was like, yeah, this is, uh, this, we're going to move on. I, th- I feel like I get it. I feel like I get the deep yeah, Z, yeah. so we can it, move on to other anime and yeah. yeah if you make it to the end of the freezer saga and it's not for you it's not for you yeah but yeah you've got a proper taste of it yeah yeah and i and yeah i loved the art style and i really loved uh a lot of the sort of silly wacky stuff the uh, i don't remember the name of them but that group of the guys that are all like they take stupid poses <laughs> yeah yeah in your force yeah. <laughs> in your force yeah man that was funny yeah, fun stuff. It was a it was a good little time. We did it uh, every week for a uh, every week for a year. We kept it up, but um, we just didn't get the listeners, and we just didn't have the time to keep it keep going with it. Yeah. We were just like, eh. yeah, yeah. Never, never know what's gonna hit, what's gonna catch on. You just you never yeah. know. Yeah, we called it uh, "Keep Your Friends Close and Your Animes Closer." <laughs> Ice, I like the name. <laughs> Um, so we are having a short rest today. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a little sit down and around the campfire or whatever. Uh, maybe not campfire actually. Where, where do you reckon we are for our short rest? What are we in the you know, what mission? I'm, are we in the I'm middle in, of? I am in the mood for a tavern. Um, yeah, I'm in nice. the mood for for some owl bear steak. If this Ooh, place yum. has it. Yeah. Okay. So we're uh, yeah, we're in we're in a, a large enough city that's got like some exotic foods at our tavern. So we must be like in an urban yeah. mission. Maybe we're. Uh, yeah. What sort of, yeah, what sort of urban missions could we have been on? Like, are we on an assassination um, thing, or are we on like a heist? I, we... My class of choice has always been a ranger, and I'm picturing almost like a bounty hunter situation. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, I like it. So we've been we've been tasked with mm-hmm. coming into the town and and finding somebody who's hiding out, uh, and we're, we're gonna we nab them and take them back. But we're uh, I'm into it. William's still a little bit quiet. Interesting. Normally I have to have you turned right down and me right up. Uh, it's it's yeah. mine, not yours. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, that should be better now. Um, so we are, uh, we're in a tavern. We're uh, we're ordering some exotic foods. Uh, what, what's your what's your drinking? What's your range of drinking? Oh man, um, it's got. I mean, it's got to be dwarven ale. It can't. It can't not be. It can't not be dwarven ale. <laughs> dwarven ale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a bit of dwarven <laughs> ale. If uh, we got to keep a clear head, so we can't have anything stronger. We can't have like elven wine yeah. or dwarven whiskeys. Do you do you tend to in your, when you're when you're DMing do you tend to have like the the races have their own types of alcohol? Do the dwarves have the ale and the whiskey and the elves have the wine or do you? Mix yeah, them? I think I think definitely definitely. Although I gotta say at this point it's been so long since I dungeon mastered in an actual like traditional fat- yeah. fantasy setting that it's hard for me to remember. It's been four years of our space sci-fi game and yeah, uh, true, and all true, our true. our space sci-fi drinks. <laughs> yeah, true. We'll definitely get into talking about that. Uh, later oh, yeah, well. yeah, for sure. <laughs> FBGX in the chat says you could have a rainbow drink. I hear those are delish. Uh, she had a character. I, uh, she's a friend of mine in real life, and she uh, she had a character who always ordered rainbow drinks whenever we went anywhere. What's your co- most colorful drink, please? Awesome, <laughs> really cool. All right, so we're uh, we're having a little short rest, sitting at the table, trying not to draw attention to ourselves. Um, let's uh, let's let's chat with uh, the name first, the Dungeon Cast. Pretty uh, pretty straightforward. But is there anything any more to that story than we uh, than we get? Where did it come from? So so essentially, uh, you know, Brian and I, when we decided to start the podcast, we um, we we were brainstorming for names. And back then, um, I think this was late 2016. There was not a lot of competition. Yeah, and we brains we wanted something that like 
uh, was straightforward that when people heard it, they would they would immediately think of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and also the fact that it was a podcast. Um, and I came up with a whole list. There was Dragon Cast. There, there was a bunch of like really, I guess you could call it generic, but I'd like to it's think a Dungeons more, and like, Dragons on, podcast. On and you're like, right, right. right. So it might be a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, although we did consider that. Um, and I was like, you know what? The Dungeon Cast sounds pretty good. I go, I bet you it's already taken though. And we scoured everywhere and it wasn't taken. We're like, well, this is kind of just perfectly on the nose. It doesn't really get better and more succinct than that. Um, I found when it comes to podcasts, if you get too clever with the name, it can kind of make it make you hard to search for, make yeah. you hard for people to find and discover. So uh, that was it. That was really all there was to it. It was just on the nose. Dungeons and Dragons podcast mash those two things together and we got the dungeon cast and as you say like when you started it there wasn't a lot of it wasn't inundated with the market like it is now let me i mean like there's actual no. plays galore everybody's got a podcast where Gosh, it's like yeah. left right and center talking about yeah. their own D D stuff or D D supplemental and, stuff and at the time that we started the podcast i mean there was live plays and all the famous D podcasts were live plays not mm-hmm. as much as there are today like you just said but um but there was absolutely nothing like what we wanted to do um just and so about we got it a, rather than, yeah exactly and like and and the way the the show started was because um i had met brian at, at work he was he was uh my my co-worker we worked together uh very closely on a day-to-day basis and um we had a lot of similar interests but he had never tried D. he never even really heard of it i don't think mm. and i would tell him about it because it was you know my favorite hobby and him interested in it and then we started a game and that turned all of our work conversations into D conversations mm-hmm. and he would ask me about like well how does this work and like okay what if i wanted to do this and then we would talk about all our right. sessions or we would talk about a particular monster or god and yeah he'd have a million questions and you know when when you're used to this stuff when you're used to like the lore behind i don't know tiamat or yeah the demon lords or any of that like you don't really bat an eyelash at it you just kind (laughs) of like it's just it's just stuff you know but when you hear it for the first time you're like wait what like (laughs) please explain this yeah there's a lot more um, context you're like oh yeah just uh so it's a demon lord and he was taken into the thing because because it it challenged another demon lord and he ended up getting right oh hang on (laughs) who was the first demon lord and you're like oh yeah suppose i should explain more context (laughs) Um, and and I'll just uh, I'll just 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 pause us there one second because your camera has frozen. I wonder if we can. Uh, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so so you you had to explain a lot of things and uh, needed context right, and on that, it. And... Right, and then that on top of the fact that Brian is absolutely a hilarious individual, um, it led to really entertaining conversations. We thought, but not just us, like a lot of coworkers around us would listen in or kind of gather around to, to hear our, our stories about our D&D game. Yeah. Right. And that turned into like, hey, dude, like I've been watching a lot of YouTube channels and listening to a lot of podcasts that have a similar vibe and a similar premise, but on different subjects. So maybe we could do this for D&D. Um, I mean, we're already doing it. We might as well record it. And uh, so it just so happened, and I didn't know this until I asked him this question. Uh, Brian's an audio engineer. And he right. was already set up with a lot of recording equipment, right. and um, and it was like a match made in heaven. We just we just started recording it, and here we are. Yeah, and when was this? 2017, 16. This was uh, October of 2016 is when we decided to record the first episode. Yeah, October which God, I go back. I started DMing in September 2016, 
So I was starting to look for podcasts and things. I was starting wow. to look for content that would help me know what sort of uh, what sort of things to do with my monsters and what sort of law there was behind them and things. Uh, so I've I've literally been a fan of your podcast since about the time that you started. Uh, wow. I don't wow. remember the exact wow, really. episode that I started with, but it's like from the beginning. I've been, <laughs> because I, 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 I consume a lot. Like when I say I'm a full-time DM, I mean like I'm, I, don't, mm. I don't just mean that I do it for a living. I mean that I'm a full-time, like all of my time. Yeah. I live, totally. eat and breathe it. I think about D&D when I'm not doing anything else and people are like, what else yeah. do you do for it? And I'm like, no, this is my whole personality. This is... Yeah, this is- <laughs> 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 I mean, there's no more facets to me. You couldn't have picked a better <laughs> hobby, though. You couldn't have yeah. picked a better thing. D and D is just—it's versatile. It's, yeah, it's rich. Fantastic. It's deep. It's—it's it's everything. I love D and D. It's what favorite, you, my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, and and it does mean that I end up um uh, I end up consuming a lot of other people's stuff as well. Like I um I, I, there's not nearly enough time to catch up on all of the different actual plays and stuff. I'm I'm no. still like. 10 12 episodes behind on critical role and uh and i yeah. and i haven't seen any of the latest uh dimension 20s even though i love brennan lee mulligan as a as a D- uh, dm and stuff so i just I, I just don't have the time unfortunately not with creating yeah, it myself no, as the, well yeah exactly when, the more you create the less you, time you have yeah. for consuming other content yeah it's just a fact yeah but what but one of the good things about your podcast is that they're uh, that they're topic wise so I can so I'd, uh, even if I didn't listen every week I could I could just have you there as sort of a download in case I'm going oh I'm about to use a I'm about to use an illithid against my my party tonight um, I've set up this whole mind flare colony let's see what they've had to say about illithids and you've been going for so long you've got nearly 300 episodes right you coming up to 300 or have you recorded 300? yeah yeah we're coming up to 300 pretty soon here That's yeah pretty exciting yeah. Um, so yeah, yes. they, so yes, you've I'm recorded fair. everything. There's like there's 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 barely a monster in in the in the in the game that you haven't at least touched on at some point or another. And so uh, so I can true. just be we like search the ba- yeah I can just search the library of like illithids and listen to your podcast about illithids. Are there any other um, uh, any other similar sort of things that you've uh, that you do you consume yourself? Like there's a few other uh, YouTube channels that do like talking about monster lore or. So at this at this point, it's I with my family, and I still do work my day job. My my consumption of D and D content is at an all time low. Um, but when but when I was consuming D and D content like on the daily basis, um, my favorite go tos were the old Acquisitions Incorporated, um, both mm-hmm. the YouTube videos and uh, and the podcast stuff. Um, Adventure Zone was a big one, especially Adventure the balance Zone, yeah. arc. Yeah, I just finished uh, listening I mean, through I that. I love that. Yeah, I just finished re-listening through that again because uh, it had been a few years yeah. and I was like, I don't know what spurred me to start listening again, but I was like, I'll give it another go. I want to I I have another mm-hmm. listen to it. Fantastic. It's story. so good. Yeah, I've listened to the whole thing three times too. So And and, and yeah, especially I, because it starts out with them just being like, oh, D&D's for nerds. Uh, we're, we're doing this as a fun, uh, yeah, D&D nerds. Uh, look at us being nerds. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> let's, let's yes, play some D&D. They got D&D. sucked in. Because yeah, it's an amazing game. Um, yeah. Trying to think, is there anything else I really consume? You know, again, time constraints. So crit roll has never really been for me because of just how long so, the episodes like are. Four hours every I mean, week. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing but respect for them though. They yeah. they bring it and it's, oh, yeah. you know, obviously it's a, it's a phenomenon and I appreciate it. I think it's so awesome. To, and I know one making, day I will get around. To be making millions of dollars like a month on on just playing D&D is like you must you know, like it, yeah. it's unfathomable. <laughs> that it can be I know not it really only, is. Not on, like it's still weird to me that I can make a living doing it but 
to make not only a living but to right. have like an entire studio uh, an entire crew of people that are paid full-time because yeah. of it and, yeah it's like a movie production basically yep. it's yeah it's on another level but no i think it's awesome and obviously i think it's brought so many people into the game so yeah um i know eventually i will get around to to watching slash listening to at the very least the first campaign but um probably not until i quit my day job which yeah, is pretty yeah. soon here <laughs> yeah I, I i do highly recommend it. it is fantastic storytelling but yeah as you say like four yeah. four to five hours every week is is ridiculous that's one of the niches that we go for as um uh vldl uh if anybody's joining from your um community and doesn't know me hello i'm robert hartley gm mm -hmm. i'm a i'm a dungeon master full-time for viva the dirt league uh, among other things um but yeah, Viva the Dirt League D&D is more comedy-based, so we do half-hour chunks every week. So we film one huge uh, one huge day of filming for like eight hours or whatever, and it's and get to the point where we're all absolutely exhausted at the end of the day. Um, and then we and then we cut it up into yeah, half, no, half hour yeah. chunks um, so that people can actually keep work, up with it and catch it up with it. It sounds like a good product. Yeah, it's um, yeah. It, it it seems to seems to work well that way that people can watch it on a lunch break and they can keep up with it rather than uh, and even if they forget what's happened or they fall a few weeks behind, it's only like an hour to binge to catch up again before the next right. episode. Rather than yeah, like, no, that's that's definitely much more my speed for sure. And you get, um, with, on with, our show, yeah. With, with with crit roll I, you get one week behind and it's like i haven't had time to watch it this week which means i've got to watch four hours of content before this week to catch up again and then you don't do that obviously so now you've got to watch eight hours before you can catch up and suddenly it's so daunting that you're like i'm i'm 20 episodes behind and i'm never going to catch up <laughs> yeah it's overwhelming it's overwhelming yeah um yeah, with with our live play, it's it's not quite as condensed as as what you guys come up, which which I think is awesome because I would like to do something in that vein. But um, our our philosophy is um, the the life play is very plot heavy, and so mm -hmm. the plots kind of always driving things forward, right, yeah. which makes it possible for us to take what would normally take us maybe four hours of gameplay to, to get story-wise. Yeah. And we we pull off these episodes in anywhere from like an hour fifteen to two hours, and um, and it's it's worked pretty well and i think one of the biggest compliments we get is that it's not so long because some yeah. people don't have the four hours so you can actually keep up with it so let's talk about your uh, your live play super quest saga the uh, sci-fi themed thing so let's talk about its origin first yes. like where'd you, where'd you where'd you start off with that so um you know back so i started playing D, &D um back in the fourth edition days that was just when i happened to step into it and that's Fourth edition is full of its own controversy, which I don't want to get into right now. But yeah, uh, um, uh, one of the, one of my fans and friends um, have sent me a uh, the fourth edition players handbook to have a to have a little look through because I kept talking about how I, I joined uh, pretty much at the start of fifth edition and started playing in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and fourth so uh, edition is wildly different. Ones. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's wildly different, but uh, I I think four E has a lot of strengths, but it's got more weaknesses than strengths. But I think its strengths are incredibly strong. But um, but we could discuss that another time. But um, <laughs> at the time, I remember a lot of the online discourse when it came to Dungeons and Dragons or even Pathfinder was that the the storytelling capabilities of the systems were limited, and that you were locked into high fantasy, and that like people struggled to tell any type of other story. Right. And I I just disagreed wholeheartedly. I just I felt like I could do anything, like any any type of genre, any any type of setting, and um. When it came to us doing a live play, the Dungeon Guest and our team, 
there was two things. Number one, I wanted to prove my point. And number two, <laughs> we wanted to do something that was different because everyone, you know, obviously D&D is synonymous with high fantasy. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to do something to differentiate ourselves. So I was like, fuck it. This is, this is uh, my opportunity to put my money where my mouth is. And we're doing a sci-fi space opera. Yeah, and we're going to make it work. And we're going to do fifth edition. Like, uh, we're not going to, to do, to like integrate other systems into it to make it like, more work. I want to prove the, the fact that I can take D&D and make it whatever the right, hell I yeah. want. So that's what we did. Um, and I think even the premise, or I think, I know the premise of the, the world which we're operating is this is the same world of Dungeons and Dragons, but we are a hundred and something thousand years into the future. Right. Um, okay. So it's not like you've said, oh, this is a different thing entirely this is the world of the you know the forgotten realms or the whatever this is you can think yeah, about this, it as being the future of any of these D, D settings exactly right yeah so that that was that was the premise and then from there you know i had the 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 players build their characters only brian knew it was going to be a sci-fi game the other two All uh josh right. freeland and jake they just thought it was a normal D, &D game and i didn't right. tell them anything <laughs> the only thing i told them was don't get too detailed on your backstory yeah, um, I right. go, we can flesh that out a little bit later. I go, there's a reason. I'm not going to tell you what that reason is, but don't flesh it out too much yet. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they, they trusted me and that's what they did. And, uh, episode that's two, cool. I launched them into the future and into space. And, uh, also oh, it started, <laughs> so episode when they were starting in sort of present day D and D like medieval yes, times in very, yeah. High <laughs> fantasy medieval times, classic D and D setting, cool. no clue that what was going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it's been one of those, again, it's been one of those things on my list of like, man, I really should probably listen to a few episodes of that. And then uh, and then especially leading up today, I was like, I really should listen to them. And I was like, who are you kidding, Robert? You need to sleep and eat and you're not doing anything. Exactly. You're like, not doing anything but work <laughs> all of the time. There's, you don't have time to listen to the other stuff. No, you got to so take care of yourself, man. Yeah. There's too much d, &D content, although I so appreciate much. it for, for yeah. the thought. It's, it's, on my, it's on my list to uh, to listen to at some point. Where Where is best to, uh, to listen to it? Is it on your YouTube best uh, podcast? So, so uh, I mean, either YouTube or podcast. It again, like the Dungeon Cast, you can find it literally anywhere that you get your podcasts. Um, and uh, but it's also on YouTube. And what's cool about YouTube is we also do premieres uh, for every other Tuesday that it airs. Right, and there's right, a right, cool, cool little community that likes to gather and watch it. It's not live, but you know, yeah, it's a live esque yeah, experience. Can, yeah, we did a we did a similar thing uh, two days ago on the Viva channel because we hit 100 episodes. Uh, so for our big 100th, uh, 100th episode, we did a, a, a longer, uh, longer form episode and, and did a premiere for it so that we could be in the chat and chatting with people as they were watching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it and fun. it, you know, it's Good cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the cool things is like, we'll be in the chat. You know, I don't, I don't make it to every episode just because it's difficult to, for me, but Time. if it's a big episode, I try being in there. So you, um, so you how many episodes into that campaign now? Um, I believe episode 74 has released. We just recorded 75. And unless something goes off the rails, which it could, mm -hmm. um, the finale is is looking to be episode 77. Oh, cool. So Coming once, up. It, once it'll be uh, all done, then you can be like, right, that's a finished, completed story. Or is that just yep. season one? And then you'll probably come back to uh, it at some point. What's it will the, be... It, I've left a little room for a possible... Um, second season mm -hmm. but uh but the plan right now is like I'm, I'm i'm laying down the weight and resting my myself when brian's gonna pick it up right. and he's starting a campaign that's gonna take its place um in the meantime i am spearheading 
uh, a Kickstarter for a campaign setting book set in the in the world of uh, settings called Dragon Star, but um, right. of Super Quest Saga. Yeah. Cool. So you're doing a setting uh, book for it. Yeah, I am. As a matter of fact, you know what? I, I got a image here. If you can share it in the chat, if you want to get a sneak peek, no one else has seen sneak this who's peek. not on the team. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Um, let's see here. I gotta open my drive and stuff. I wasn't planning <laughs> on doing this. <laughs> Get an exclusive. Um, but yeah, here. yeah, this is an exclusive. So this just got finished yesterday, and it is going to be the cover art for the book. Oh, very um, exciting! How are yeah, you? Uh, how are you going with the the uh, actual production of the book? Like, where? What stage are you at with it? Right now, we're still in the in the pre-production of like getting the Kickstarter launch. So yeah. it's about getting art commissioned. It's about getting uh, really, really tasty like lore blurbs uh, written and getting the tiers figured out so that we can get the Kickstarter um, organized, put together, and then we're ready for launch. And we have things for people to look at. Be like, this is what we're going with. This is the artist we've hired. This is the type of like writing style that we're going to have, and these are the products we're planning on making. Right. Um, and uh, and then if the Kickstarter is a success, we're going to get to work. And it's and just going to be it's going to be a campaign. Work. It's going to be a campaign setting rather than a module. Like it's going to have some um, plot be... things for people, but not like a, a through line of something to run. It's... So uh, a module is going to be part of the the stretch goals. If we reach a certain right. goal, we will we'll make a, a module like an actual adventure, probably like a, a five level adventure. Yeah. Uh, for people to run. Okay, let me uh, download and share. Yeah, no, it's it's I've never tried anything like this, so um, it's it's a new experience for me. But um, but my my philosophy is I'm, if I'm going to do something like this, I'm going to do it right. So I'm putting every bit of my passion into it. Yeah. And. Here we go. Here you go. There's a sneak peek. No one else has seen this. Alrighty, that is absolutely incredible. Who did this artwork for you? Uh, this is a Brazilian artist. His name is Iwanis Fiore, and he's he's fantastic, like beyond fantastic. And you and you found him just online, just looking for artists. Or yeah, you... online, just kind of reaching out for artists, and uh, a bunch, a lot of people reached out. Um, they were interested in the project. There was like a hundred people who applied. I went through every single one of them because, like, my my thought is, if someone applied, they they need a fair shot. So yeah. all one hundred and two of them, I went through their whole portfolios, um, and I narrowed it down to six people, and then I I kind of combed through all six people again and. This guy just kept coming back to him. It was like his style is perfect for for what I am envisioning, and and he was into it. And now he's going to get started on some other pieces. Incredible. But yeah, uh, since you're unfamiliar with the setting, I'll do a little bit of explaining. So in this setting, uh, dragons have uh, adapted to uh, galactic, both space travel and just. Um, environments and so there are five types of dragons in this setting and this one in particular is called a pulsar dragon so the thing about pulsar dragons is they have evolved they spin really fast <laughs> yeah absolutely no uh they've evolved to um to be able to assimilate uh machinery into their biology oh, cool. matter of fact they've reached a point where if a young pulsar dragon doesn't start getting some of their uh their systems replaced um, their their body cannot support the pulsar energy that uh, they naturally generate, and also their own weight and size. 
their their mass is too much for their for their structures to to maintain. Yeah, so cool. they have to it's get they parts replaced. Bionic or die. Exactly. And then as they grow in size, they have to continuously get those parts replaced. So is there like um, a but, is there like a, a pulsar dragon surgeon in space that can just like replace all these things, or can they do it magic? Do they just like consume something so, and it replaces so parts? The dr- all five dragons are uh, integral to a society called the Draconic Star Sovereignty, which is ruled over by the three Nova Kings, which are three Nova dragons, which are the highest type of dragon in this setting. Um, and there is also a huge population of dragonborn um, who make up probably most of the population. So the entire society is kind of built around uh, accommodating these dragons. And yeah, I would say... Once uh, Polestar Dragons reach uh, adult size, they are getting most of their their surgeries done in space by either Dragonborn Technician or by Polymorph Dragons, because they can still polymorph in this universe. Um, But in exchange for the the bionic parts, they gain physical strength on par with even the strongest of Nova Dragons. And uh, their cannons and engines are powered by their innate Polestar energy, which allows them to travel faster than light and also... um, um, they have massive offensive power with their pulsar cannons. Incredible. Um, yeah, that sounds. So, yeah. is it, have they got like pulsar cannons instead of breath, breath weapons, or like on top of, or because? Um, yeah, imagine, it takes place breath with their weapons breath weapons. In space wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be so effective. Yeah. Well, well, most of their breath weapons are still magical in nature, so they work. But <laughs> right. with the pulsar dragon, particularly, um, the pulsar energy is too potent. Like it would, it would destroy them to, to actually breathe it. So yeah, right. it comes out of the cannons. So and then the ship. You say there's five uh, five types of dragons. You've got Nova and five types of dragons. Pulsar, um, there are Black meteor Wolf. dragons. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're all celestial bodies. So we have meteor dragons, stellar dragons, pulsar dragons, void dragons, and nova dragons. Awesome, five types. I love it. And then real quickly, that uh, that ship in front of them is uh, an imperial elven dreadnought. Elves in this at least in the podcast and in the setting in general, have a have a bad reputation of being the totalitarian bad guys. Mm. Um, their ships are a little bit more on the magical side than on the technological side. It's made of a magical wood, um, Sildarian wood, um, which they grow from their sacred trees that grow on their homeworld. So each... That ship is actually rather gigantic. <laughs> um, and if you can't tell from the buildings that are kind of next to it. Mm. And uh, at the heart of every... Uh, Dreadnought uh, is a grove of Sildaran trees. So wow, yeah, that's a little taste of the world right there. And this, uh, yeah, I this, couldn't. This, this we're seeing in the background with the uh, the sort of moon that seems to be exploding. Is it, or is that uh, is that just the product of the, the so the gaseous off to the left there? Uh, if you see like there there are buildings on these these yeah, asteroids, yeah. right? These are like sentinel posts above this planet, and the one on the left it, it got. It got obliterated probably by an elven invasion. Um, below them, you can see that the world is kind of war torn. Yeah. Um, so, um, huge, classically, huge, uh, classically in this galaxy, yeah, classically in this galaxy, uh, the Draconic Star Sovereignty and the Eternal Elven Empire are are political enemies and the two superpowers of the galaxy. Right. Gorgeous stuff. That's so a, that's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the cover of the um, the setting book. Yep. And it's going to yeah, have all kinds of uh, the law behind the back, the background of it, the backstory of all these things. I imagine it'll have yes. like the uh, the race, uh, the race law about if you're playing an elves, what's changed 
And yes, and there will be some some new racial stat blocks as well for certain for certain uh, um, races. There will also be some custom classes for the futuristic setting. There's going to be an entire bestiary in the back of all the alien monsters we've come up with, and it's going to be a pretty big endeavor. So, what do people uh, what do people need to keep an eye on to uh, to hear when this Kickstarter comes out? Um, we're planning on probably announcing the launch early September because we're going to try and line it up for right when the show is about to end. So right. uh, keep an eye out on our social media and uh, on SuperQuest Saga, the show itself. And uh, we'll be announcing the launch as soon as, soon as we're ready. Cool. Yeah, just uh, just hear, uh, listen to the podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure you won't miss the fact that it'll come up. Um, yeah. that's, that's pretty exciting, man. Uh, what sort of changes have you made in the uh, in the mechanics to like have you added other skills that needed to come up like engineering and things? Did. Yes, and that is one of them. Um yeah, let me see here. Let me pull up the um I have an outline in which I've written down a lot of stuff. See, I when we started the show, I did not have aspirations for turning in the this to a book. Yeah. So the the details at the beginning are really that we're talking three and a half years ago, they're really foggy to me. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I came up with my outline here. So we added... That's the case, isn't it? Like, always the um, benefit of hindsight. If I'd known when I started DMing that I was going to end up doing this for a living and full-time, I would have taken much better notes. <laughs> for, for right, all, exactly. For how I yeah. started it's the campaign. Exactly what right. my thoughts were about how everything <laughs> was going, yeah. Precisely. Um, but yes, there are new skills. Um, use computer, use vehicles, astronomy, engineering, cybernetics, and chemistry are the ones that... Are, have been implemented in the show. Uh, for the setting, things are going to be much more tighter mechanically, so there might be more, there might be less. We're also going to come up with a, a way of adding these uh, to to the various classes in a way that, like, now there's more, now that there's more skills, uh, we might make it so certain classes get an extra skill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to so say, because that's something I've been tying with, I was thinking the other day about adding, like, I, th- I feel like athletics gets does a lot of the work. There's a few skills that like really hold their weight, and some that don't. Yes. And so I was like, yeah, th- th- there are some skills that end up being like must-haves. Like you've got to take perception because it comes up so often. Right. And all this. Right. Or at and the so very was, least, investigation. Yeah. So I was uh, so I was thinking like uh, maybe if you split, maybe if you introduced a new skill that's like grappling is as an actual skill instead of being like you can choose athletics mm-hmm. or acrobatics, and it's like if you want to be good at wrestling and you want to be good at holding on to people and getting out of rust- grapples, then maybe you have to be skilled in that particular something thing. Something more specific. So I was like, yeah, if yeah. you split something though, then you have to worry about like. You you have inherently lessened the thing that was being used for that before. Right. So what do you do to the classes that are kind of built around that? And, uh, exactly. Give them, That's exactly give them right. The choice to take both or whatever. Yeah, and I think for for the sake of the podcast, because remember, I didn't tell anybody that this was going to happen. <laughs> um, there was a point I think after, right after the first arc where I we did a little bit of a time jump, just like I think a, a month or two months time mm-hmm. jump. To where the characters became more acquainted with the right. new world they existed with, yeah. and I allowed them each to pick up an extra skill. Right, smart. Off the new skill list, yeah. How about how about languages? They all the same in the however many thousands of years um, in the future are they people still speaking the same. I remember language? coming up with a real quick uh, shortcut with a universal translator that we just <laughs> have in here. Um, but essentially, the lore was that yeah, language has drastically changed. So. You know, elves speak uh, a form of elven that is just not the same as mm. old elven. Um, it's a hundred thousand years. Like, there's yeah. just no way any language maintained 
its its structure. So um, basically, English, the English universal... is barely recognizable from like four hundred years ago. So like... absolutely, exactly. <laughs> um, so so essentially, what the universal translator, the way it works, is it's a mixture of magic and technology, and it works on. Uh, with with what is intended right so like what are you intending to communicate mm -hmm. and the trans the receiving translator can translate that into something that the person receiving would understand best right yeah that so that's kind of um, that's how i that's how i use a lot of the magical language stuff in D D anyway in the regular settings mm -hmm. like the detect thoughts and and whatever like te telepathy right. like telepathy is not them speaking you don't necessarily hear their voice you're hearing them speaking in their own language and your language center of your brain is interpreting it for you. Which can exactly. lead to some really the... fun descriptions of like when somebody is speaking to anybody in like deep speech and uh, it's really fun to use um, aberrations in that sense because I, I can have fun with translating thing, mistranslating things because I'm like, your brain doesn't have a word for the concept that they're trying to use because they're from the far realm and that's such an alien place that they you don't even understand the concept. So... You Absolutely. don't have a word for it That's in your language, cool. and you don't. So yeah, they they, they asked them um, uh, recently in one of my home games. They were uh, going on this mind flayer um, colony collapse campaign, and uh, and they were trying to prepare for it. They they managed to uh, find an isolated illithid and kill him, but then they decapitated him and cast uh, speak with dead so that they could talk to him later. They put his head nice. in the zone of truth to make sure that he was speaking the truth, <laughs> but he's speaking to them in telepathy. And they were like, "How many of you are there?" Was one of the questions. How many? How many oh. uh, illithids in the colony? And I mm. and I said, "You don't get an answer in a number. You just get like a symbol in your head." And I described the symbol right. for them, and they were like, "He's got to tell us the truth. He should have." To and I was like, "He is telling you the truth, but the the concept of how many doesn't make sense when you're talking about a hive mind collective." Exactly. Because there's a lot of questions. Yeah. As like, do you are you just counting the individual illithids that are like physical bodies, or are you counting all of their thralls and all of their uh, the the cranium rats that they have control over. Are you talking about the elder mm. brain as one, and everything is just one? And so it's like it's, right, a, it's exactly. a concept that your brain doesn't understand. So he's tele telepathically telling you how they would count it in illithid, <laughs> but but your, your your brain can't translate it. So that's so, brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Funny. That's fantastic. Uh, I will say the universal translator leads to a funny uh, phenomenon where in D and D a lot of characters are are very multilingual, right? Mm. Normally in five yep. E like based off your background and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, you might know like five languages, but because the way the universal translator works in this game, uh, nobody really has much of incentive learning anything but their base language. Mm -hmm. So if something happens with your universal translator, it can lead to some interesting situations where party members don't understand each other. Yeah, and like right. as a DM, you can choose to explore that or yeah. not, but it's an option. It could be there. And that, yeah. that I think that's fun. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. So what? So um, when you started, you you, you said the impetus for the the show was like, um, I want to prove that you can do D and D for in space uh, for sci fi mm -hmm. op opera things. Um, what sort of came next? Like the the idea for the space dragons, the idea for the overarching the plot of the thing, the idea for like you just were like, well, I guess I need some space travel and let's start coming up with ships. So right. So um. The one thing I've learned about myself in this endeavor is that um, I don't know if you've heard the the concept of there's there's two types of writers there's architect writers and there's gardener writers. No, you heard this. No. So like the idea here is like an architect is someone who like lays down the structure and the foundation and the scaffolding and they build their world piece by piece, um, 
meticulously so that when they start telling their story, everything fits perfectly. A gardener is someone who more like they, they plant the seeds, they start at the base of like, what's the premise? And then they just kind of naturally see where the story goes. And then right. the world kind of fills in around that. Gotcha. Well, I learned that I was a gardener and I was not an architect <laughs> that basically I, I just kind of had to throw the, the, the tracks down in front of the train yeah. and let the world build itself as events naturally as unfolded. Needed. It's just, right. it's what worked for me. Um, and so the first thing I did was have everyone build their characters, right? And so I knew what I was working with. What yeah. do I need to make important to the story based off, you know, we ended up with a druid, a paladin, and a warlock initially, right? Mm. So I'm like, okay, I need to make this patron work, and I need to yeah. make this patron work across a huge time period. And luckily he chose great old ones, so we now we're doing <laughs> a lot of great old ones. Stuff. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, the paladin, he, he has a deity. Unfortunately for him, my plan was... 80s have gone the way of the dodo in this new galaxy and i need to I needed to figure out how and why right yeah. um so, so that was a big uh planning portion at the very beginning before we started and then uh there was a druid right and my thing was okay in this world uh in this in this new galaxy there's gonna be all these alien monsters that she's not going to be familiar with and um i also i needed to come up with a concept for um how how do druids work when it's not just one natural world there's many yeah. natural worlds yeah. right so i came up with the concept of a galactic spirit and life all being interconnected and um yada 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 um i did i i felt bad at first but i think this played out well um i robbed her of her ability to wild shape into the old world creatures right. and the reason for that was there's no because of the way things played out there is no connection to the old world uh, anymore that and like all of that has been obliterated, right. um, and so she she had to commune and connect with the galactic spirit, which then gave her the ability to transform into um, the 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 fauna that exists in this galaxy that right. she that she sees that she's interacted with. So she can still t wild shape, but it's into aliens. It's into yes, like, and and the trade off is yeah, and the trade off is these things are way more powerful than anything she would have been able to transform <laughs> into. Because uh, we've gotten really creative with it. Uh, me and Jake, he plays the Druid. Uh, we're both huge fans of the Pokemon franchise. Right. So right, right. Uh, he gave me a list of all his favorite Pokemon. <laughs> I was like, I'll turn them into alien monsters for you, uh, man. No problem. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, I was going to say, that sounds like a lot of work to have to come up with a whole new uh, whole new monster, monster bestiary of... Uh... Of, of beasts for him to turn into yeah. alien beasts it's been fun i've been enjoying it it is it is fun though like part of the part of the most fun i get in D, &D is like the the homebrewing part of it like coming up with new monsters oh, yeah. new stats new new whatever what was the um, what was the biggest change aside from the languages and the skills we've talked about what was what's been the biggest thing on the character sheet that you would notice different in uh, super quest saga I'll probably the equipment so we have a, a futuristic equipment is just mm -hmm. completely different uh, basically I see. I introduced this concept of like uh, super kinetic weapons and energy weapons and stuff like that, basically making old world weapons completely obsolete. Like if you take a an old uh, actual halberd and struck one of like I don't know the the Iron Legion, which is like a lawful neutral, lawful evil paladin kind of like paramilitary order if you if you attack one of these dudes it's it's either going to break the halberd or not do any damage because he's wearing you know super kinetic you know adamantine armor yeah yeah, um, yeah so basically it was like uh you guys are in a future world now you have to upgrade to the future equipment because right. your old shit's not going to work 
Um, so that that would probably stick out uh, of the different armors and stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Because um, as, you, as you were saying, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. And then I was like, oh, actually, you could also justify it the other way. You could be like, the arms race has gone so so far into the future that they're like, oh, we've got uh, we've got a shield, so you've got a bigger sword, and then we've got something that can right. attack from range. And they've and they've eventually gone so far into it that their their armor is all based around their their current day weapons, their plasma weapons and stuff. And so the only like the best way to get through it all is to use like a stabby stick. And they're like, whoa, what was that? How do you? <laughs> we weren't prepared. <laughs> we weren't prepared for. What he just he just hit me with a sharpened piece of metal. I didn't like it. There was no there was no energy weapon to it. There was no lasers or plasma or photons and. <laughs> he just hit right. me. With, he just hit me with a piece of sharpened metal. That'd be yeah. a, a pretty funny way to do it as well. That would be. I mean, to, to be fair, like um, I, I will say, the arms race has gone so far that like melee weapons are um, are are plausible in a world where like you would think ranged laser weapons would would make them obsolete. And uh, I I didn't really uh, get as detailed in explaining that as like say Dune, which you know makes that really make sense. Yeah. But I mean, this is a world with magic, so like, yeah, yeah. you know, hot, high energy, super kinetic magical armor is going to be really good at deflecting like laser power, yeah. but maybe less good against a, um, a super kinetic, you know, heavy hammer. I'm trying to find. I I made an armor and weapons list, and I'm struggling to find it. So I can list off some of these cool things that I made up. The um yeah the armor presumably is it still works as AC though like it still works mechanically the same. Yes. Yes, although there is a little power creep um, where everything is like just a little bit shifted up. So like our paladins, I think his his AC rests at like twenty three, right, which is right. you know usually a high level paladin's AC is going to rest more around twenty in, yeah. in vanilla D and D. Yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Weapon and armors. So you've just adjusted the monsters to to fit. Just be like you can exactly you can everything's just a little yeah. Yeah, everything's just a little bit harder. So, like, yeah, for light for light armors, we have things like cam fiber bodysuits, silica reinforced cam suit, medium armors. I have palladium glass plating, carbon adamantium half plate, and heavy armors. We have CM matrix guard suit and a carbon adamantium full plate. And uh, for shields, there's two types: there's the aether shield and there's the super therm mithril heavy shield. So. Stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> just just taking <laughs> taking all of the armor that exists and then stick some fantasy jargon in front of it. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, that, and that's kind of been the what thing. What does it do? Like, well, it gives whole... you twelve plus your dex mod plus. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, like, it's all just been reflavoring. It's yeah. all just been reflavoring and tweaking here and there. It's Nothing we've that's, done that's the, in that's the, the podcast. secret of homebrewing. <laughs> just, just, exactly. just take something exactly. exists and tweak it. No, nothing we've done in the show. Uh, couldn't just be used in a regular D&D game, which was mm. the impetus of the show. In the first yeah. Place. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty cool stuff. That's yeah, fun. I uh, definitely want to um, check it out even more now. Um, so so uh, one last time, we'll move back on to talking about the dungeon cast, but uh, one last oh, time yeah. about the SuperQuest saga. Uh, where can people find it if this has piqued their interest and they want to see some... We're on, uh, we're on the... We're on the Dungeon Cast YouTube channel, so it shows there. Also, it's its own podcast, so if you just look up SuperQuest or SuperQuest Saga on any podcast app, it'll it'll pop up. Exciting, th- exciting stuff indeed. Um, yeah, I I love uh, I love me some sci-fi stuff, and uh, I played a lot of Star Wars themed uh, games with friends, and I um, uh, there was a it was it called Starfinder. Starfinder, you played that? The uh, I haven't. I've been wanting to though. Pathfinder, I... Yeah, when it came out, I was like, "Ooh, that looks cool." Yeah, yeah, I played a, a couple of um, a couple of 
episodes of that just like one-offs one-shots and stuff so it's pretty cool but again it's got the problem of stuff and uh, of pathfinder just so much math so many different uh, you've got uh, energy acs and physical acs and combat acs and you've got all sorts of stuff and you get pluses for um i've got a plus two for hiding behind this rock but i get a plus three because of this guy's aura and yeah all all sorts of stuff you Um, can keep track of yeah, you jumping in at 5e, uh, 5e is definitely the smoothest, easiest, more succinct yeah. uh, system out there that isn't something like Dungeon World, you know? Yeah. And uh, in Pathfinder is, it's, it's I, I don't think clunky is the right word. It's, uh, it's, it's just heavy, heavily mechanical and it's people love a it. Lot of, a lot of involved, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I'm reading through Pathfinder at the moment because I um, lost a bet, essentially. No, I, <laughs> I, I, did a, I did a fundraising stream recently for American Cancer Society, um, and part of my stretch goals for that was that uh, I, I've got a, a good friend and another fellow streamer called uh, the Dead Aussie Gamer, um, and he, uh, he, used to, he used to be known as uh, Ask a Pathfinder because he ran Pathfinder predominantly, and people would ask him questions, mm. and that was kind of his whole shtick. Uh, before he kind of migrated to D&D. But he, he, he touts the uh, successes of Pathfinder, and he's always in my streams whenever I'm t- whenever I'm complaining about something to do with D&D. He's like, well, you know, in Pathfinder. <laughs> and so, <it's, laughs> so it got to the point where I had a command made for my Twitch channel, which is just exclamation mark Pathfinder, and it would say, shut up, Dag. <laughs> Um, Love it. And then, and then, so when I when it came around to this um, this fundraiser, the the final milestone stretch goal for it was uh, I will learn Pathfinder and run a game for my friend Deck. <laughs> to, to, to like, oh boy, yeah. And so, of course, as soon as that came up on the screen as the final milestone, people were like, "Oh, I suppose I suppose I've got an extra five dollars here, and I suppose I can here's another hundred dollars here." And I was like, "You want to see it get, happen. Yeah, you get." So we we made yes. it, and uh, and we got to the, the the goal, and so now, um, as part of my Robert Reed's stream that I do every Monday and Tuesday on on Twitch, uh, I, I'm now reading Pathfinder rather than one of these rule books behind me. Nice. Yeah, you got a whole lot new terminology to learn. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm there's a, all of the conditions. I haven't gotten to the conditions stage yet, mm. but all of the the times that it comes up in the class features and the uh, and the and the feats and stuff are talking about like yeah. the sh- you can impose the shaken condition and the uh, the, the the dazed and dazed and dazzled and all of these. And yeah, 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 for the most part, I'm liking it. There's I, I can imagine taking oh, yeah. a lot of the Pathfinder stuff and sticking it into my games just making it advantage disadvantage stuff rather than you get a plus one for this and you get a plus two for this and if you're yeah, in this circumstance yeah. you get a negative two um because i like, yeah, the, no, con- no, I like the concept of the minutia of it I, I've, I've always been i feel like you get into D D, you 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 get familiar with 5e you get familiar mm. with the concept of role-playing games and how to play them and like the simplicity of it and then quite often you you want to have a little more like because some things come up time and again in your games where you're like grappling feels a little bit "Mm." and so maybe Mm -hmm, i'll introduce mm -hmm. a homebrew uh, homebrew rule around that and things like that and you you end up like making your game your own based on like how you want to play and i feel like pathfinder from what i've seen so far has got a lot of those things where i'm like oh yeah that's kind of what i've been been thinking about for a while wanting to homebrew this or wanting to take this system or make ac a little bit more uh, a little bit more diverse than just having you've got a flat number that you either hit or miss re- regardless of whether they see you coming or whether you whether they're unconscious or, 
And so having the flat-footed condition and things like that, I'm like, okay, so you don't right, you don't, you don't yeah. get to add your dexterity modifier if you're surprised to your armor class because you're not dodging the attack and things like that. Yeah, gosh, I forgot about the flat-footed condition. Yeah, no, but I I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, getting uh, getting familiar with other systems, you know, even if you don't end up going with those systems, can can enhance what you're doing with with your system of choice. Yeah, um, there are still things from fourth edition that I carried over to five e because they fit perfectly, and I th I think they they enhance the game. So, is so it, I get that for sure. What is the mm -hmm. what is your favorite thing about fourth edition? I've I've heard, um, I've heard the 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 things that come up most often are minions and skill checks <laughs> skill challenges. Yeah, those are the two. <laughs> those are the, so, uh, the two people that people always skill, tout as being like skill That's the two things they got right. Yeah, skill challenges are great, and they fit for literally any system. It, it's you know people think of them as a fourth edition thing, but they fit for any system, and yeah. it's essentially I use them all you time. turning a a encounter that that maybe it could be a combat or maybe yeah. it doesn't quite fit a combat but combat might be part of it yeah and you want to turn it into something c cinematic and you want to implement um all the many skills that these characters have that maybe they don't get to roll a lot right mm -hmm. um and it also lets the, the the party members become part of the storytelling process yes yeah so essentially the way really like about it yeah this the way skill challenge works and you sound like you're already familiar it's Everyone rolls initiative, and that's the order you go in. And um, as each person's turn comes up, they come up with what they want to do to resolve the the, the issue, the the event, the the encounter. Um, and they and they and they they say what they want to do, not by looking at their skills. They, they just say what they want their character yeah. to do. We decide on a skill that's appropriate, and I set a DC. They roll for it. If they succeed, I allow them to to you know um, explain how it plays out, and then we move on to the next turn. If they fail, I explain how it plays out, and essentially I have a hidden tracker of like X amount of failures means that they have failed the encounter, and there are repercussions. X amount of successes means they have su they have succeeded, and they do not suffer those repercussions. In fact, they get to probably uh, get a lot of benefits from it. Yes. So. It's yeah. very fun. It ends up being cinematic and, and entertaining. The good position I'm in is that uh, a lot of, uh, I'd say the majority of my audience as um, uh, the Viva La Dirt League DM have come from Viva La Dirt League's comedy skits and not from a D&D mm -hmm. world. And so a lot mm -hmm. of my audience uh, in the comments, like if I've just stolen something from another D&D game or another uh, system or something, a lot of the comments are like, man, Robert's a genius. <laughs> Recently, oh, yeah. <laughs> in one of the, in, in like episode 99, I think it was, um, I used a skill, tra a skill challenge, uh, pretty much as you've just described it. They were going up a mountain mm -hmm. range and I was like, the mountain range is a treacherous journey. I don't want to like roll random encounters and have combats and stuff just to bog everything down, particularly with them. They go off the rails very easily. And so I was just like, let's, let's just encompass the whole treacherous journey into the mountains by each one of you telling me one difficulty that you come up against. Uh, what is one thing? Is it a weather problem? Is it a terrain difficulty? Is it a combat? Is it something that, and uh, tell me one thing, sum up how you deal with it, how you overcome this treachery. And then we'll sum that up as a single role. Uh, and I'll set a DC for it. So I think, and, uh, and it's essentially like a skill challenge and <laughs> because every one of them had to offer something and roll a single skill and that's it. And then a bunch yeah, and of there you go. Like, After... that's such a genius idea. I'm going to steal that. And I was like, that's not my idea. And I took that from fourth it's, edition. It's still, it's still a good idea. <laughs> and you know what? You, you turn what could have been either something really tedious and boring or something you just skip over and turned yeah. it into 15 to 20 minutes of entertaining content. Yeah. So, good job. Yeah. Man. That's awesome. the, uh, that's the idea anyway. 
let's uh, let's uh, see how it pays off in the end yeah. uh yeah it's it's enjoyable and the, and i do like that and i have started implementing that i haven't fully implemented the minion idea yet but a lot of people have talked mm. about the minions of fourth edition being essentially just their one hit point one hit kill uh and they yep. automatically take no no uh, damage from like area of effect things so you can't just you can't just blast them with fireballs uh, to get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, basically, basically, if if they save their DC, there's no half damage. Yeah. That's the idea with them. And yeah, I just uh, not recently pitted uh, pitted them up against a whole bunch of minions, and uh, they're great because one of the things about about five E and about all 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 probably all systems is when it comes to fighting a massive amount of enemies, mm-hmm. keeping track of all the HPs and the damages and ACs is a nightmare. It's just, it's just, it's not feasible. Yeah. But when everyone's a one hit kill and they all deal like respectable damage, you can pit them up against 15, 20 creatures and they, they got to figure it out, but it, it runs smoother. Yeah. Um, and it also, it gives that feel that you get from a lot of action movies or a lot of superhero movies where, you know, the, the heroes are trying to get to, you know the main bad guys are through through this treacherous area, and they're up against hordes of enemies, and they're just taking them out in one hit, left and right. Yeah. Like you can capture that feel with minions. Yes, yeah, sure. that's that is some, that is something that I do like to use them for. Uh, just being like look things that look formidable and intimidating, but you can take down easily, so that the fighter with four four attacks per round uh, and an action surge can just like plow through them and feel like a proper badass. Because that's yeah. pretty much the driving force of most of my decisions as a DM is. How do I make my players feel like badasses? Uh, I try to run hero right. games where they are he- heroes of the story, and even if they're bad yeah. guys, they're the heroes of their own story, and so they want yeah. to feel heroic. They want to feel like they can do things. So it's a, yeah, yeah it's, that's, it's that's one way to do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I do the same thing in in, in SuperQuest. Um, but what's funny is they they they're just so they're OP. They're just so powerful um, that there's <laughs> been a couple times where I pit them up against like a legitimate challenge where you know death could happen, and um, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand it has the effect I want and it makes them a little bit more cautious and a little bit less cocky. Yeah. Um, but also like it's it's gotten to the point where just one one of those encounters midway through the campaign put the fear of God into them to the point where, where they were scared to do anything ever again. <laughs> and um, it's just funny how that, that happens. You know, they, they're so used to throwing their weight around that the second they came up against resistance, they completely yeah. changed their attitude what we can't just steamroll <laughs> something must be dangerous right. yeah the, the closest i've come to properly using the one hit kill minion style so far is um i, I homebrewed a um a, a couple of new types of blight you know uh, i was gonna say do you know what blights are but who the hell am i talking to it's got a it's got a dnd <laughs> D podcast about lore of different creatures so instead of just the twig blight vine blight and uh a needle blight of the monster manual mm. I, cr- I came up with like a seaweed blight for if they go crossing rivers and things Ooh. and then also a leaf blight um, and so the leaf blight is a single hit point and it only does one point of slashing damage but they've got like a plus seven to their decks or something so they, their attack modifier is really high and their AC is quite oh. high and so they were hard to hit but also kind of just a nuisance so like yeah. so there was but there was a lot of them so it was like a death by a thousand mm-hmm. cuts thing where they were trying to right. attack they were trying to attack the gulthias tree to take down these these blights um uh, once and for all and they had to always make the decision every round of like do i do i do i waste my turn killing a couple of these leaves because they're a pain in the ass and they're only doing one damage to us or do we just mm-hmm. ignore them and then slowly get chipped away by like 
12, 12 uh, single attacks every round. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty much like minions. So yeah, yeah. You, you that's very close. And yeah, yeah they're very a, effective. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and and one of the more memorable bits is uh, FBG, uh, FBGX in the chat here. Um, she uh, is playing a monk and, she, and as one of them attacked her, she says, it, could I count this as a ranged weapon? And I was like, sure, why not? And she goes, I'm going to use my deflect missiles ability to catch it out of the sky and then spend a key point to throw it at another one of them. So she caught one of the razor leaves and then she threw it at another and took two of them out in one in one uh, That's awesome. reaction. I love it. I thought was awesome. yeah. cool, cool little moments. Um, speaking, uh, speaking of blights, um, yes, I, I do know what blights are, but we have not done an episode on them and we, no. we ought to do that. Yeah, yeah, you should not get around yet. to it. It's, it. They were one of the first uh, monsters that I used because I, um, I, I, even when I was starting out six years ago, I was uh, binging a bunch of every all of the different content, get D and D into my veins, um, right. and so and so I was like, everybody starts with goblins or bullywugs or kobolds. Those are the three like mm-hmm. minions that you can start with at first level. And I was and I and awesome. I and twig blights are relatively early in the monster manual because uh, they're under B. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. these would be a really easy first first level monster for uh, for starting with if you're starting in a forest sort of a uh, yeah. setting. Yeah, absolutely. I've used them in games, but uh, but no, we haven't covered them yet, and uh, we ought, we ought to remedy that. So, what do you? Um, that actually brings me on to a question I did want to ask you about. Like, what's what is your process for deciding what you what your next topic is going to be about? So, I uh, I usually set it like six months ahead of time, just so I have some sort of structure. But uh-huh. it's pretty fluid because there's a lot of times where if I'm not feeling reading up on a particular subject, I just move it down the list. Right. Um, I've learned not to try and force myself to to do something that my my brain it doesn't want to latch onto. Right. Um, another thing that we've done is every year we have like we we choose a particular a theme. theme. Yeah. Yes. And this year it's we the theme is fiends, so it's year of the fiend, and so all that means is like once a month we're doing something fiend related at at the minimum, sometimes mm-hmm. twice a month, and that helps keep. A structure to the show as well yeah yeah um, i think you started that with a with the giants wasn't it giants and then no, dragons actually dragons, oh, dragons the and then giants and then beholders and, and then fiends yep. yeah yeah yep. and you'll never guess what next year's gonna be um well you're going through the different types of <laughs> types of creatures celestials you know i considered it but constructs nope, nope. You'll never okay. guess. You'll we'll just, just never guess. We'll just never guess. It'll just be year of the year of the miscellaneous. <laughs> you shall see. We will be announcing it probably. Well, I think we usually wait till the week before, but right. but I think it's gonna. It's something different. We're zigging when everyone probably expects us to zag, and mm. I think uh, I think people are gonna be happy though when they, when they hear what it is. Year of the dragons again. That's right. No. Just dragons. A, just a, dragons two. <laughs> dragons two. Electric boogaloo. Indeed, <laughs> Light, we could. Vision. We really could. There's could. so, There's so many dragons. I got, I got, I've got Fizzbuns yeah. recently, and I haven't had a chance to open it yet. So many. Oh, of these. That's, a, that's a great. It's, book. it's why I do. Uh, it's why I do Robert Reed's on my channel twice a week to try and just get through some of these books because they just yeah. churn them yeah. out. They bring in out like three, four, five yeah. new books every year, and I'm like, I haven't had a really chance to are. open bloody Volo's guide yet. <laughs> like, like I need people slow down. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I do highly recommend Fizzband, so it's fantastic. Yeah, it's one yeah, of the I've better books. I've heard sure. great things. I um, I definitely want to put that up high on the list of uh, Robert Reed's once I'm done with Pathfinder, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wouldn't be Yugolot's uh, GM Workshop because uh, they're fiends, so probably be no, no involved in them. No. Well, I'll 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 stop I'll stop guessing uh, and I'll just keep <laughs> speculating instead. So so um, 
is it just basically what takes your fancy outside of like the themed episodes you, oh, to the most like... part i think i think at the beginning of the show so for the first few years it, there was basically like okay what are like what are the quintessential like subjects like obviously we got to do goblins early because like people yeah. need to know these things they're going to be yeah. using them at the beginning of their campaigns um and of course all the player options and the class options and stuff like that from the player's handbook and then once we kind of got through all like the stuff that you think we should have by that point mm -hmm. it started becoming okay now how how do we how do we decide what's important what's not so like i try and pay attention to what's going on with releases and i try and pay attention to what the the audience says they want and um based off that information things might have higher priority um also just what i find interesting as well yeah. um i have certain like uh not get i i have certain like tendencies so like at the end of the year our last episode every year i try and pick the most ridiculous subject or monster that I can possibly find, and the last episode of every year is usually something funny. Yeah. Um. And and then we tr we try new ideas too. Like we we've recently tried like building dungeons for like particular monsters, like making layers, and that's been fun. Um. But yeah, at this point, it's just kind of like what's what's popular in the zeitgeist, what's going on that yeah. people want to know about now, versus. You know what? What do I want to cover? Because I think it's interesting, and yeah. it's just kind of a balancing act. And uh, and and when you started, there was like a um, there was different uh, different types of episodes. So there was the episodes where you talked about a class, uh, episodes where you talked about a monster, episodes where you talked about this and that. Um, but mm -hmm. I imagine, being that there are s s uh, significantly limited classes and subclasses than compared to the number of monsters there are, you kind of blew through the, the classes very quickly, and then you're like, uh, now you can now you can revisit them to talk about um, yes. newer subclasses that are being released for those. But you've you've already covered yeah. the things uh, about like the the, the primary class. Um, yeah, yeah, and then later on, what we did was we're like, well, you know what? Let's actually spend some time and 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 give attention to each specific subclass, you yeah. know, because they each deserve their own amount of attention. And so we've it's actually, at this point, burned through most of those as well. Yeah, yeah. Revisited <laughs> episodes, sorts of things. Like, uh, we're, yeah. we're going back to talking about this because we kind of breezed apart it in, like, a, a three-part episode. Um, right, exactly. So, so do you... Once you once you've decided what your topic is going to be, I assume it goes into like a massive spreadsheet of like this is roughly when we're going to be filming these ones and we're going to do these ones on these days. Yep. And, you, and you film them in blocks, like th three at a time, or three at a time. Yeah, yeah. three at a time, which is exhausting, but yeah, it, it's we found it's what works best for us. Yeah, so. it gives you gives you some time between to actually uh, get them edited and whatnot. And t tell me about the uh, the the preparation for the episode. Like, who uh, you you do all of the research? You go into yeah. Google obviously Google so, the animal Google the beast that you Yeah so about. what I do is like let's just you know we recently recorded a uh, Kieran's um and so what I do for that is I just pull up every single source book ever made I have countless PDFs um <laughs> that mentions Kieran's and you just control and I read all of find Kieran yeah. Exactly I read all of it Yeah um and then I make an outline for like how I want to present it you know like you know, I'll start with like introduction, then we'll physical description, you know, psychology, behavior, environment, domain, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I talk to bottom, how do I want to present the information? And then I just start uh, going through, you know, re-going through everything that I read yeah. and making sure I'm not missing anything when I when I write, you know, yeah. like here's a physical description of this, is what they look like. Because um, 
different sources will have different physical descriptions and I have to decide whether like, you know, it's worth mentioning that this yeah. one very obscure book mentioned that like these things can sometimes have antlers or not. <laughs> um, right, right, right. And I have to decide what to include and what to not to include, but I try and include as much as makes sense um, so in, through, in, through each. In thing, things yeah. like Furbolgs, for instance, that have changed drastically in 5th edition to right. what they were before, I imagine there's a lot mm -hmm. more to talk about because you can talk about the history of them and all of this. Have you yep. have you come across a topic that you thought was going to be a full episode and then in looking it up you were like, oh, they haven't changed at all. Every, everybody's consistent and there's, there's not that much to <laughs> talk about the differences and so it hasn't fleshed out to a full episode. Have you ever come across something like that? I don't think there's any particular thing that I've picked that I'm like, oh, this can't carry its own episode unless it's something like really, really um, esoteric. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Like okay, the beholders, beholders are behold. Year of the beholder was actually really tough because right. um, most of the beholder kin at most have two paragraphs yeah. written about them across yeah. 40 years, right? Yeah. Um, but for those, you know, it was just okay. Well, we're gonna put multiples in a single episode. So like, yeah. I think one episode is. The Eye of Flame, the Eye of Frost, and Eye of the Deep. All three monsters yeah. in one episode. And I'll, I go over the very limited lore. I will probably talk about how I would present them in game, like maybe personal ideas I had. And then we're going to go over um, any existence stat block, if if they do exist. I found a 5e version of the Eye of Flame. And, God, I don't even remember what. It was like, a, I think it was in an, a D&D &D Next, so right before it officially became 5e. It was in right, a D&D yeah. &D Next miniature adventure module and it was an eye of flame and i was like we're using this and we're going to look at this and we're going to read these stats <laughs> um and then for the other two they just don't exist so like we went over some limited stuff from the old 2e and 3e stat block but that was it that's fair yeah i mean sometimes you just got to be like let's vamp see if we can see if we can uh, get something out of this there's always yeah, there's yeah. always plenty to talk about though there's always like as you say you can always speculate on like how you would use them and uh, how, right. how you can imagine reflavoring them to be something else and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, after you've recorded, what's the sort of post-production side of things look like? Do you split the editing that, between you or does... Nope, that's Brian's job. Brian, Brian does all that. Brian does all of that stuff. <laughs> takes yeah, care of yeah. all of the editing, sticks it up online, yeah. takes care of like I, when it goes live, all that stuff, scheduling. Yeah, and then I... Well, let's see. I, I make the thumbnails. Um, I'm trying to think when it comes to post-production. I I'm the the details checker, so it's like everything goes up before it goes live. I go in and make sure everything like is tags are right. right. You know, all the all the the titles, all that stuff is right. And uh, if I see anything, I make corrections. Um, we and then we tend to share like the business duty. So I'm pre-production, he's post-production, and we're both there for recording. Yeah. What's the, is it? Is the team just the two of you? You mentioned a social media manager before. Yeah, we have we have a, a team now. I think we've had them for like seven months now. So we have a, a wonderful um, social media manager. Um, he's been fantastic, and he's also been a really good just counselor and advisor because he works with a lot of content creators. Um, and then we have a email coordinator, and she is so much more than that. Like, I, it's hard to to give her the title that she deserves because she's just there for anything and everything, and she's mm -hmm. just a great support system, and she's so well-organized and detail-oriented in a way that me and Brian just are not and have struggled to to even replicate, like, 1% of her organizational skills. Um, so she keeps us efficient. Yeah. And then we have another team member who, if we have something like, 
hey, we noticed that, like, this link is dead and it's across 200 of our episodes. Can you go fix it for us? Just clock your hours. And that's what he does. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that that's the team. Plus, uh, uh, Josh Freeland and, and, and Jake Quesada, they are two members of Superquest Saga, and they're also part of the team. Excellent. And how have you um, how have you seen the the growth of the podcast over the years? Was it like a real slog at first? Did you see people like did you see success right from the beginning where people were jumping on board because there was so little else like it, or what sort of? Um... I would say uh, it was it was kind of a little bit of both. Like it felt like things were always growing, uh, which was fantastic. We knew how lucky we were, but it all also felt like it was always growing at a very slow and steady pace. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only been a couple what you would call booms in our seven years of doing this mm-hmm. and everything else has just been week to week, month to month, incremental small growths yeah. until before we realized it, we're like, oh, wow, this thing got big under our noses. Right, you know, it, yeah. it took us a while to adjust our own perception of, of what we were doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it took us about a year to get to a thousand subs on YouTube and then in another year, we hit 10,000 subs on YouTube. And then and then it kind of slowed down and it's been incremental. And now we're, we're closing in on 45,000 subs on YouTube. And um, yeah, I mean, nice. the growth has been stupendous. We're extremely lucky. Yeah. Um, but it's also I mean, not, not been like the, not, oh, we there, there hit is and an exploded. Element, yeah, there is an element of luck. But I mean, it's because you put such a consistent product out that is fantastic to listen to. It is, it is useful. It is Thank genuinely you. one of my go-tos. I appreciate to, that. When I... Uh, when I'm when I'm starting a uh, my prep for a particular thing, uh, I'll be like, That's "Hey, cool I need to, hear, I need to I need to <laughs> use a green dragon in this next arc of the campaign. Let me see. Like, I know a lot about the game, I, I, inside and out, but I still like. There's always more you can learn about. So I go, oh, let's see if I remember uh, if if there's anything I've forgotten about um, green dragons. So I'll listen to you guys uh, while I'm like preparing. I'm doing my dinner or I'm putting my 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 terrain together for the uh for the for the game uh and then there's a bunch of others that you know similar sort of um things that after i'm done with you guys i'll be like okay that's what they had to say about it it's reminded me of this sort of thing i'll go and listen to some some youtube uh people talking about green dragons it's just really useful even for people it's awesome to hear man because that's exactly how i imagined our podcast being useful and it still blows my mind that people that people find it useful like i'm glad and that that was my goal (laughs) but it's still such a trip to hear and so I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's good stuff. You've uh, you definitely earned, this, earned the success that you uh, you've gotten, and I hope you continue. Hope it hope it gets to the point where you can uh, properly earn a living from it. Quit, quit your day jobs. Uh, focus full time. Yeah, on that's it. the plan. That's the plan. What is I'm the, hoping um, in the next what is the future year. of it? What do you see for the future of the Dungeon Cast? Um. So we uh, obviously the Dungeon Cast is the flagship show. It's yeah. Uh, it's you know, 90% of, of all of our viewers, that's that's what they're about. So that show is going to continue um, and hopefully only get better as uh, we have more time to, to give it some more love. But we plan on uh, other podcasts. We want to do a character creation podcast where we try and, like, create cool concepts based off of, like, maybe a theme, but also, you know, maybe recreate characters from pop culture and see how that goes. We okay. have um, a couple projects. I already mentioned the, the Dragon Star Kickstarter. The the other big project that I'm, I'm spearheading is it's going to be a patreon exclusive thing um but the idea here is like we want to give our patrons something that like they're giving us money out of their pocket you know and and that means something that's you know they don't have to do that and so we really want to give them something that is worth their money and so we are working on a premiere live play 
um, called Unhallowed. It's going to be a horror, dark fantasy, um, very Castlevania, very Dark Souls um, inspired. Um, we're going all out. We're we're going to do a lot of post production work. It's going to be fully. We have a composer on on board, fully composed uh, music. We're going to have sound effects through every step of this thing. Um, we are going to have post-production voiceover work. So, like, let's say a character has a really cool moment, but their line comes out a little bit flubbed or the audio is yeah, yeah, not great. Yeah. Come into the studio. We're going to redo it until yeah. we, we really nail yeah, it. Um, we're going to we're going to hire outside voice actors to 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 do NPCs that maybe I can't do <laughs> at the level that I want. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a very polished, very very dramatic, very immersive experience. Is the goal. Um, and yeah, it's going to go on Patreon and we're hoping that not only does it attract people to Patreon, you know, but also like our patrons, some of them have been, have been with us for so long and it's like, I, we really want to give something of quality to them. Yeah. And so that's, that's the next big project besides, uh, the Kickstarter that I'm, I'm spearheading. It's, um, it's, it's, it's funny though, cause I, uh, I think about this, I have the same sort of, uh, feelings with my Patreon. I'm, I, I think about like, oh man, I, people are giving me money i really need to give them so much stuff in return i need to give them something to make that worth it um right and i think about that from the creator side of it and then from the uh the the patron side of it i'm a patron of a bunch of different channels yours included and uh and and um from that side of things whenever i get the patreon email saying like oh there's a new thing on the patreon there's an, i'm like nah. Like I don't actually yeah, do it. Yeah. I don't do it for the perks. Yeah. I don't like I. I, yeah, no, I patronize I'm, I'm people. I patronize people on Patreon because of the fact that I, I really like their them. content, and I'm like I keep going with this. I, as a content creator, I can appreciate that this is part of your income. Here, have some have some dollars every week. Um, uh, but but I can't. Yeah, I don't make that switch for myself when I then think about it from a creator standpoint. I'm like, no, people aren't just supporting me because they want to support me. People want <laughs> people want stuff, so I've got to give them stuff. Yeah, no. I, I feel the same way as you. Like um, when I support people, it, it's not for the perks. It's because I want to support them. And I think um, most of our patrons, that's definitely their mentality. Yeah. But um, there there's a sub there's a subsect of patrons I've noticed that have literally been like, I would have stayed, but you guys didn't really have anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, this and, all, the ex the patron uh, does the exit, yeah. and that's fair. That allows like, people to is... like they didn't post often enough or whatever. Yeah, and that's totally fair. Like that is not a, that is an okay opinion to yeah. have. Like you know, you are paying money, paying and money. we are promising yeah, bonus content. Something in return. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just, um, you know, again, it's it. We are we want to do this for the patrons, and and we're gonna make it high quality. But also, like, I'm just a creative person. I was going to make this show anyways. <laughs> yeah. I've just let, I've been like, you know what? The best place for this show is as a as a big salute and thank you to our patrons yeah. so that's that's that what we're sense. doing with it yeah what's um what's the last time you did do a uh a, a D D dming that wasn't uh sci-fi like in the last time uh the last time would have been i think at least a couple years ago now we did uh we wanted to do a big thank you to all our awesome discord mods and administrators because that place would not exist without them like literally it would not exist without yeah. them and they do such a stupendous job so um obviously most of them are patrons so they were familiar with the series we had on there called the yeah. vault raiders um and so we we ran a a vault raiders b squad with all the discord members and it was like a adventure with giants and dwarves it was like a frost and 
fire giants kind of yeah. warring over this rhyme fire flame idea and they were going in to save the dwarves who had just been uh, imprisoned and and or massacred by these giants and it was a fun adventure yeah i did a similar thing when i started uh, started out um on twitch and i started a discord server and things uh every month at the end of the month um as a thank you to the people who are keeping the discord active the mods and also the the fans uh I, everybody who'd been active was entered into a draw um and then i drew five people out and ran a game for them uh, nice and, and then it, after like eight months it just got too much to keep going and the discord by that point was kind of self-sustaining so i didn't really need to incentivize people actually using it right um, right but now we have a we Right. Now, now, now! I just try to thank my mods every so often by just like having a game off stream with them and just just playing video games and stuff. It's actually what I'm doing later today, just as a thank you to oh, yeah. the incredible awesome. mods that run that run the the, the channel uh, for me and the Discord. Yeah. Again, my Discord wouldn't be anything without my mods. Uh, my Twitch probably oh, wouldn't be yeah. anything without my mods. So thank you to the mods. Right. As well. right. <laughs> um, yeah. So so they they do such amazing work for just no reward. So I like to try and re try and remind myself to to give back to them in some ways every so often yeah yeah you got to you got to um you know we're doing something similar to what you were saying about like the monthly game um again this this is dependent on when i can go full time but we again to give more back to the patrons we wanted to kind of start a raffle pool where at least once a quarter we're going to run a game with with a raffle of like six six patrons you know and it doesn't matter what tier you enter in if if you're if you're a patron you're in the raffle so yeah yeah, good incentives. Um, mm. uh, I'm going to open it up to, uh, to to questions from the chat because I've been seeing a sure. couple of them coming in. Um, but before we do, I just wanted to talk about the trailer. Did you see the trailer yesterday? Oh yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Um, people have been what were your thoughts? Uh, people have been pinging, pinging me about it all all the time. It was the first thing I got when I woke up last uh, yesterday. I was like, check my phone, and uh, like three people had tagged me in it and was like, check this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I uh, have only seen it the yeah. one time, and I was relatively tired. So you know, I do need to watch it again. But my initial thoughts were this looks fun like this looks like yeah. a, an, a good adventure romp and um uh, i had the the first thought that like there's a, a scene where uh somebody shifts from an owlbear into a, a i assume a druid uh, and my mm. first thoughts were in the space of like half a second i went is that a druid while shipping into an owlbear you can't do that that's they're not beasts i suppose the 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 they're just allowing it to happen because that's cool and it's part of D, D as well i wonder if the they'll reference the fact that the dm is a lenient dm i wonder if they'll even reference the dm at all and i just went down right, this, right, like, in, yeah. the, in the space of seeing it and then i just moved on i was like cool <laughs> i can think of like a yeah. hundred reasons why a druid can wild ship into an owlbear not limited to the fact that owlbears are pretty pretty much beasts in the first place so why their really monstrosities are. makes really no sense anyway are. Uh, DMs yeah. might not know that, and so they might just allow it. They might allow it be even though they know it because it's rule cool. Uh, they might. I'll tell you what. Of, I don't feet. It. Yeah, I, I probably would allow it as well. Yeah. Like it's in in my games, I've uh, I've created like a subcategory called like magical beasts for things like mm -hmm. Albert and Chimera and like Griffins and stuff and Pegasus that are basically beasts. They're just magicalish. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, if a druid wanted to wild chip into some of these magical beasts, I'd be fine with it. So yeah, yeah but then but then later on in the day, I heard on Twitter people are fucking complaining about stick. They'll always find com stuff to complain about. Whenever anybody's oh, yeah. arguing about shit like that in D and D, I just want to slap them and be like, "Do you know how niche yeah. our hobby is? Get a fucking so like, just take a step so back." 
Just take a step back and look at the problems of the world. <laughs> it is not an issue. It's not an issue of whether or not they've taken artwork from Pathfinder for some for the uh, fucking brain, whatever it's called, the intellect devourer, or whether a druid's wild shipping yeah, into an Alba. Get a, it's a it's yeah. a fun story. D and D is about yeah. telling fun stories, and yep. I know a lot of DMs who would allow druids to wild ship into Alba, so just get a fucking grip on it. So I don't know. I, Absolutely, I, mean, it, it I, looks, I agree completely. <laughs> it looked it, it looked to me. I mean, I'll watch it again, but it looked to me like that'll be a fun story to tell. Uh, I'd, I'd love to go see that, and that's pretty yeah. much my thoughts on it at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen I've seen the trailer four times at this point, mostly because I've been showing other people and. Mm. Um, Funny, funny story. Um, last week, I was telling a good friend of mine that there was a D&D movie in the works that I knew nothing about and no one had really heard much details about. Um, but I also told him about the the three terrible, terrible films that are Dungeons and Dragons films before this and how I, I didn't have a lot of faith in this, <laughs> in this one. Even, yeah. yeah, and I, I did see that they had some famous actors, so I'm like, okay, so they, they dished out a budget, but like, are they really going to pull this off? Mm. I, I go, Dungeons and Dragons is not an easy thing to relate no. to the screen. It's just a completely um, different medium because it's about it really all st storytelling together at the table. So, like, yeah. how are they going to do it? So, my friend asked me. Um, he was like, "Well, if you if if you were in charge and you had to make a D and D movie, um, how would you do it? Like, wh what do you mm. think is the formula for success?" And so I thought about it. I go, you know what? I go, they need to do what they did with guardians of the galaxy i don't know if you remember um the the um the trailer for that movie and like the hype for that movie before it came out yeah um but they leaned right into the fact yeah there's a talking tree and a talking raccoon and it's a crazy wild adventure and it's gonna be fun and we're not gonna we're not gonna nitpick or ask any questions about how this doesn't make sense because it's fucking awesome yeah I go, they're gonna have to do something like that. Yeah, I, I and it's funny you say that because I, I remember thinking at the time of Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, this is a D and D movie. This is a this is a sci fi sci fi D and D right. movie. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a, it's very much a D and D party. Uh, really they're just, is. They're just it's all exactly crazy. They've is. got their own niches. They only work together mm -hmm. as a unit. Um, They're all reluctant heroes. None of them really heroes, want to actually yeah. do the right thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guardians and, is and then, a D and D movie. <laughs> It really is, and then and then I told him I go and you know what I think they should lean into the MCU banteriness. And I know some people find it annoying, but I think fits really well for a D and D party because for D and D is half comedy, half it adventure. Has to be comedy. Most, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then this trailer came out a week later. I was like, no shit, they really did it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think they they made the right decision. I think this is how it kind of had to be done. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, the trailer looks pretty good. It looks a lot better than I thought it was gonna. I'm I'm really interested to know if there's going to be any reference to a DM at all because like the because I'd, I'd be I think in two there's minds, be at least one joke I'd be in I'd be in two minds about it like if I was in charge of making a DM D and D movie I'm like it's so much of it is about like you can't you can't play D and D without a DM so you so no, the no. the story like to 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 set the entire thing in the story where the DM doesn't exist and the DM is everything around hmm. that's I I can understand that being the draw. But I feel like it would be missing something that makes it inherently Dungeons and Dragons and not just a comedy adventure movie, if you don't reference right. the fact that it is being told by someone, like it is a, a 
they tell so i don't know if they if they'll reference like tongue in cheek maybe there's maybe there's the same maybe they they say like man that guy looked like the same shopkeeper that we've met before or like if they that, that's a good one i like that or like, I like or, that or if they just have like the same voice <laughs> the same voice actor that would, that's also a pretty good one because that's that's actually one of like the things that. i would imagine doing it would be a tremendous <laughs> amount of work but if i was doing a dnd movie i might pitch the idea at least um <laughs> that they they have actual actors playing all of the all of the roles but for everyone except for the main party of five everybody is adr everybody is 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 dub, dubbed over by the same actor uh, after that the would fact. be really funny i don't think they'll do that <laughs> i don't, I don't I think they would but man, that idea. would be that would be a lot of work but it would um, be funny i feel where you're coming from about like yeah you know it's not D without the dynamic of player and dm and Obviously, they're limited in what they're able to do, but mm. I, I'm pretty sure there's got to be at least one joking reference to, like, some sort of, like, person orchestrating everything. Yeah. And I know in, in in our life play, it's come up quite a few times when, like, the plot is just a little too convenient because it <laughs> needs to be for the players. And then at a character, they say something, and then I make the joke. I go, hey, you know, it's funny how things just kind of work out that way, huh? <laughs> the, yeah, I can the, see something it's come, like it's come up, It's come up a couple of times in ours as well where, uh, where Ben, who yeah. sits on my left for the thing, uh, I'll say something like, uh, something conveniently happens, and then he'll turn and be like, you are really lucky. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you're really lucky that the story just works out this way, Rob. You're just, honestly, yeah, the I, amount of coincidences that happen that get the story together. And I was like, yeah, man. And I, I would bet you that that's the joke they're going to make. Yeah. There's going to be something that happens, like, too conveniently, too like, often. Wow, isn't that convenient that this has it. happened exactly. in such a way yeah. that it works? That, yeah. Kind of like the, uh, the moment in... Not Austin Powers, uh, uh, Wayne's World, uh, where he's talking to a security. I don't know if you've seen it, but he, he's talking to a security guard early in the movie, uh, and he's and, he, and the security guard just reels off a bunch of information, and then and then uh, the the main character, Mike Myers's character, he, he turns and says like, "Wow, that security guard knows knew, knew a lot of information. I wonder if that'll come in useful later in the movie." <laughs> like exactly. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but um, which I know is sacrilege. Everyone's seen Wayne World except for me. But yes, that. Is, that is very similar to, yeah. to what I think they'll probably try and pull off. But yeah, no, I'm uh, I went from being completely having no faith in a D&D movie to now being cautiously optimistic yeah. and um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to at it. the very we'll least I can off. tell they're trying yeah. and I I can support that for sure. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm hopeful that they won't make mistakes like 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 the Albert one that can't but but ones that can't be as easily hand-waved away as like homebrew stuff stuff where they're yeah. just like oh i can tell you haven't actually played D, &D or you haven't talked to somebody who has or like right, that doesn't seem like right. a choice to to hand wave that so much as just you didn't know that that's not how it's played uh so uh, yeah because like, that's I mean, one of the things that me about stranger sure. things like stranger things uh, often when they mm. reference D, &D i'm like that's not how it works that's not how it's ever worked in yeah, any of the editions yeah. so like why are they oh, rolling a yeah. single die to kill that guy it's not the combat isn't finished right, in one yeah. that sort of stuff where i'm like that's oh i know what, i know what you mean and and yeah you're right and it's i don't of not that it, it's a danger it could it could happen it, it has a chance of happening but i think i think hasbro slash wizards because i think they're they're in on this and they're going to try and make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. I have a feeling that they're putting their all into it. Um, here's a question. Uh, if this movie is a, is a success, which I think is a, is a real possibility, if it's a hit success, how far away are we from the 
saturation of D and D in the in the popular mm. zeitgeist reaching a critical point where it starts becoming cool to not like D and D. Yeah, that's a good, very good point. I can see it happening. Because yeah, because if this is a success, if it earns any amount of money, they'll do a second, and then they'll branch off mm-hmm. into a TV series, a Netflix show. They'll mm-hmm. they'll become this uh, a D and D thing, and then yeah, yep. I can imagine it. Be, and then there'll be like cartoons and. The the obviously Vox Machina will be happening at the same time. The Legends uh, yep, season yep, two yep, yep. and yeah, I, I I can see it happening. Um, but I mean, yeah. it's inevitable once it'll... anything gets big enough, it yeah. starts becoming cool to hate. But you know what? I I love D and D. I'm I'm, a, a, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm on board for yeah. it. Yeah. Same here. I think here. I think it depends as well on what happens in 2024 when they're like the new the new uh, what do they call oh, it? Oh yeah, five point five or whatever. Yeah, whatever call it's it. gonna be. Um, so they did the same thing in fourth edition. Fourth edition went, so fourth edition went for like I think a total of eight years, and I think like four or five years into it, they did a whole revamp called Four E Essentials, and it was backwards compatible. But basically, moving forward, we were going to do things this way because it's more mechanically sound, and you know the the um, it's, it's more easy to understand and get into. So I feel like that's what's happening with with Five E. Like yeah, we're going to get I'm, a revamp in that same. Thing. I'm really sort of confused as to what this thing will even look like in 2024 because uh with the release of the modern kind's multiverse whatever it's called uh where they just like revamped everything and everything just like said oh this stuff's legacy and doesn't count now uh whereas this stuff's the new stuff i'm like that's that feels like a 5.5 change why did why what is what is going to be changing in two, two years that you couldn't have saved this for then like they've if they've gone and changed the backlog of what what is canon and what is uh, what is legacy content it was it's an interesting move for sure and i i don't really understand the motivation behind at least some of it you know like it's cool to have new goblin lore i'll use the goblins for example because they they made mm. major changes to the goblins um but to say that the old goblin stuff is just not canon anymore yeah. not it's just like it's just odd to me yeah it's, it, it number one feels it's like i'm saying this is a new addition without them wanting yeah, to yeah. be like oh, i don't want off don't want to put anybody off so we'll just kind of make right. changes to this edition rather than actually bringing out a new one yeah it's yeah it's, it's again, weird it's and i and to be honest i'm uh, personal personal opinion is that i don't i don't like the homogenized nature that they're kind of going towards like i know that dnd 5e particularly has always been about sim- simplified uh, game mechanics but they're just getting rid of anything that makes a character unique and to me it feels like what's the point in ch- like putting any thought into choosing which race you're playing if you don't get particular right. you don't get particular abilities and modifiers and drawbacks you don't have any sort of penalty that with them removing all penalties like the um the sunlight sensitivity and and the the walking speed right. like everybody can just walk at 30 feet now and you can choose your size are you small or medium and things yeah. and i'm like but that's i want yeah. drawbacks in my For- character i want to play somebody who's a hobbit and have to deal with the fact that sorry guys i only got little smaller. legs yeah. <laughs> exactly right um so so yeah i agree with with the um with their choice for the ability score specifically mm-hmm. um because i think it makes sense like if i want to play an orc who is not maybe the norm for orcs but he was just born kind of a genius mm. um and so he should because of like who he is get a plus two to intelligence i think you should be able to do that i think that is conducive to better creative uh character or I, character creation I, I i i disagree on that point just because it, i think you don't like that yeah i think uh the way that i see it is like if i want to play a barbarian who's a hobbit like i want to I'm, I'm making the choice to play against type i'm making the choice to be like 
I am go- my story is this character arcs uh, th- this character's arc is going to be about overcoming my physical uh, inability to be as strong as an orc or a goliath by the fact by the nature that I'm tiny and so I'm going to have a negative to my strength um, and ha- and be dexterous and whatever instead and then I'm going to pump all my ability scores into strength to prove like I'm going to work out and I'm going to become as strong as you despite whatever uh, despite absolutely. my physical limitations. Absolutely. But the thing is, you can still do exactly that. Hmm. It's just you can also choose to be, you know, the quote-unquote genetic freak of a halfling who's super <laughs> buff, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and so, but I do feel where you're coming from, but you, you do have the, the option to do that. Where I, I start to super agree with you, though, is, yeah, the walking speed, um, the if, if we're getting rid of abilities, if we're homogenizing abilities, then, yeah, it starts to become, um, like, I don't know. Yeah, what's the point of picking anything in particular besides just the way it looks? I suppose, mm. and even though that that's already super fluid anyway, it's just because everyone homebrews, you know, races to be to look different in their in their different settings, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the way I'd, yeah. I I would have preferred to go with it is like I would have preferred them to split a lot of the things that come from races and backgrounds, and they kind of have with languages. They've said like, oh, you, right, whatever. That's that's a that's a move that I I've made in my games for a while, saying like. Yeah, languages you speak at character creation is nothing to do with your race, but to do with your upbringing. Like if you were yeah, a dwarf raised by elves, you speak elvish, not dwarvish. Um, of course. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that they should have had more more stuff to do with the background, like elven proficiency in longbows and stuff. Only comes if you were, have a background as being up, up, up uh, brought up in a uh, an elven society, um, right? Uh, things like that. Uh, whereas your elven perception is more about your genetics, and so you you have that on, as yeah. a product of being an elf, regardless of how you were brought up. So yeah. if they'd have Get put a little more delineation between like uh, you choose a race, you choose your upbringing, and you choose your class, so that like there we go. If you're an elf, I, I and like you were that. raised in elven societies, then you've got all of the things of the elf. If you were an elf right. and you were raised in a human society, you've got the elven elven uh, physical traits, but you've got the uh, the human background kind of things, and then you choose your class on yeah. top of that. So that's that's yeah, sort of I the think, thing that I, I would like have done. That. But they seem to have just gone like, let's just get rid of all the elven traits of like this and that and the other, and that they, I don't know, the ability score thing. I I would have actually preferred them to go the other way with it and actually give everybody a negative, like to go back to having like. If you're an elf, you have a negative in your strength and a positive in your dex, uh, so that if you are playing right. an elven barbarian, you can do so, but you're choosing to play against type. You're choosing to, to be uh, putting your primary in something that is negative so that you can buff yourself up against it. And then right. if you want to play somebody who's like, I don't, I want to play an elf, but I don't want that negative, that's where you get into homebrew, in in my opinion. But I can, yeah, I can see yeah. it. I can see it either way. Of, of as you say, like there's nothing to stop you doing that. If you want to play against type, you can, you can deliberately give right. yourself negatives to your primary stat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the very least, the option exists, which is nice. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is, is having the option, yeah. um, because I I have had fun building halflings that are super buff, and just picturing this little compact super buff man is is fantastic. <laughs> I've always had a problem with the um, the bounded accuracy of D and D being that that so small essentially a five e that um, the modifiers mm. only go up every two levels and so somebody mm. with a twenty strength I'm wrestling someone with a three strength you you can the way that it works out the the person with the three in strength can beat the person with a twenty in strength like one in, one in eight times just because of the roll right of which 20. makes and, zero sense. Yeah. Yeah. and so i'm like uh, another another thing that i would do if i was creating a system from scratch 
I would homebrew it, but it would mean way too much work to fix everything that sort of knock-on effects. Is that the ability mm. score? Like, because the ability score doesn't matter after you've actually created your character. You cre- you create the character just to you create the ability score just yeah. to get the modifier, and then you never mm-hmm. reference the score again. And so, like, no, if no. if if they just made the score, uh, if they just made the modifier just whatever the score is minus ten, so like an eighteen is a plus eight rather than a plus four. Then, mm-hmm. then your modifier would go up every one level. You'd still get bounded accuracy because yeah, you'd yeah. still be maxed at a plus ten if you if you get your yeah. score up to twenty. But it would widen the range. But it would widen, it would the, widen range the range so that a so that a, someone with a maxed out strength has a plus ten, and someone with a minned out strength would have a negative seven, and they'd never be able to like beat each other. And and they'd they'd have that more incremental changes, which not only would yeah. affect like the uh, the the draw to actually take ability scores and half feats and things because half feats mm. some of the some of the half feats are amazing but they're but they're rarely taken in my opinion because unless you've got a yeah. an odd number to your score you're like well it's a wasted point yeah putting a point into my con it's not doing anything really discourage yeah uh, certain options for sure yeah, yeah. so if your modifier went um, up at least half points in between then yeah i think i think it would yeah you know i i've not heard either of those suggestions before and you make really good cases for both of them and i, I do wonder if they've even considered them or mm. if they ever ever did it would make them. it would make the sheet easier as well because a lot of the problems uh, i see with new players is like uh, I say, what's your strength modifier? And they'll go 17. And I'll go, no, your strength score is 17. Uh, and yeah. they're like, oh, what's that for? And I'm like, it's just for working out what the modifier is. <laughs> like, it, does, it doesn't yeah. play into it other than like how many feet you can jump. I remember correctly, the uh, the score did use, in the older editions, did used to come into play when it came to uh, um, qualifying for certain uh, feats or equipment. or right, yeah, you um, need to have a... Yeah, I think I think in D and D you have to have a strength of thirteen or more in order to multiclass and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it, it just it used to be for more than just that in the older editions, um, but now it's kind of just a relic of a bygone era yeah. that we still use because we've like always used system. it. <laughs> like the alignment system, like the alignment system, which is you know, yeah, it's there are pros and cons of alignment system. Yeah. Probably more pros and or more cons and pros. Yeah, uh, funnily I, enough, I, I um, use the alignment system, but only when it comes up. Like I, I, I use it as descriptive. I say like if it, if it, if and when it comes up in game, like if you go to the outer planes where it actually makes uh, makes a difference, like as they are mm-hmm. an embody, like the lower planes are the embodiment of evil and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, if if you go to the lower planes or you have a spell that refers to alignment, then at that point I'll go. How has this person been playing lately? Uh, I think because of your recent actions would put you in the true neutral range or whatever. Right, right. Uh, rather than being like, I am lawful good, so I have to act lawful good. Act however you want, yeah. and then if your alignment has changed from how you thought it was when you began, then your alignment's changed. Yeah, it definitely needs to be used more as like a fluid guideline than than strict. It does not work as a strict like code. No, because um, there's way too many yeah. gray areas and and except yeah. exceptions and it, it, just not how morality works. No, really. yeah, yeah. People are, people <laughs> do good people do bad things sometimes and vice versa. All the time and, and vice versa. Yeah. One so. one thing where I think it does make a difference in my games anyway, or the way that I think about things, is for paladins. I feel like paladins being chaotic just wouldn't work. A chaotic paladin wouldn't work based on the fact that to be a paladin you need to take oaths and you need to and it says like you need to live by the tenets of your oath. Uh like mm-hmm. the oath of the ancient paladin or whatever it is that's like honor and and truthfulness and blah blah blah. And I think right. I, I think about lawful and chaotic as not being like anything to do with the laws of the land, but like how strictly you no. adhere to a code of, within your own life. Like, do you yeah. 
could you sum up your own um, your own actions based on I always do what is right. I never tell a lie. I always blah blah blah, which is exactly what paladins are doing. They they have to be mm. lawful um, in my games. Not lawful. They could be neutral and sort of have like a I'm struggling with my oath. But like if a paladin sure. is chaotic, that's to me somebody mm. who is going. Eh, sometimes I act this way and sometimes I don't. And that I feel like if you're doing that, then you're not sticking to your, the tenets of your oath, and so you're no longer a paladin. Yeah, I can agree to a certain extent. I think I think paladins. Uh lean into into law they just they lend themselves to it it's just where 95 percent of all paladins are yeah. fit into a lawful category just naturally that's just like you said it's because of the oaths and because of they have a code of conduct that they are dedicated to yeah um and it's going to just be very few extreme cases of like if you had like a set of oaths, oaths that were that were themselves about not being beholden to to codes right like, yeah so that could if you work, live by you know, the tenet of like there are no rules kind of thing and that's the that's the oath yeah yeah, yeah. It, or if you're an oath but maybe it maybe a little bit more 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 nuanced than, than that but yeah in that in that vein you could make chaotic work um, yeah but again that's, i can imagine that's a, the, a situation where it not could the work, rule. but yeah i i, I just feel like yeah. the nature of having tenets that you live by you're by definition going to be lawful yeah. character um, and, and then, like their powers, like I, I have no um, oh, yeah. preconceptions yeah. about paladins having to be good, because in no, it, no, the way that I not. view it is like clerics get their powers from a deity directly, and paladins get their power from their belief in their deity mm-hmm. or their, their, their belief in their own conviction. Yeah. Their own conviction yeah. is what gives them the power. Yeah. Best character I ever rolled was a lawful evil paladin. So yeah, nice, yeah. great. <laughs> What's your uh, you say your favorite rangers favorite to play? Ranger was uh, oh, Ranger is my favorite class. Although five E's version of the Ranger, I have my my qualms with. Um, but yeah, I'm um, I've always been drawn to characters that can do a little bit of everything, and uh, Rangers, you know, they they get nature magic, they get yeah, um, a little bit just a connection to nature, very, you know, a little bit spellcaster, a little bit fighter. Yeah, yeah they can be ranged, they can be close combat, yeah. kind of yeah. sneaky. Yeah, yep. Uh, I think um, they get a lot and, of uh, uh, un- unwarranted hate. I think I do look, I do love a good yeah. ranger. They, there's a yeah. um, so I run on my channel. One of the things I do is a uh, an interactive game called Twitch Tales, where yeah. I am controlling the actions of the world and the chat are controlling the actions of the, the solo player. Uh, and at the moment, it's we're on episode sixty five or something, and uh, and and the main character is a ranger, a Horizon Walker ranger. Uh, and it's awesome. fantastic. They they've gotten themselves into and out of a lot of different troubles, and they they can, really they can cool. seem very powerful at times. So when you say the chat decides, like how do you decide what the chat decides? Because I'm sure they're not all saying the same thing, right? They're not all saying the same thing. No. So <laughs> oh boy. So uh, so often it's just general consensus. If the, if it is something that's pretty obvious and the cat the chat is clearly on board, then I'll just do the thing because I can see in the chat as it's going by, everybody's kind of agreeing to the same stuff. Um, if there's some dissent in the chat, I'm seeing a couple of people saying other things, uh, then I'll say, I've got a, an emote for thumbs up and an emote for thumbs down. And I'll say like, um, chuck in the chat, yes or no. Uh, do you want to go left or do you want to go right? Do you want to go up the ladder? Do you want to go off? Do you want to try and sneak past this guy, put a thumbs up if you want to blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then I'll see a visual reminder in the chat. Like you can quite clearly see when it's emotes, it's really easy to visually see like, oh yeah, there's definitely a consensus that the, the vast right. majority are wanting to go left. So I'll do that. If it gets to the point where I'm like, oh, there's lots of yeses and nos, it's kind of hard to tell. Then I'll stick it into a poll. I'll be like, right, there poll, we go. That's nice and quick. Yeah. Uh, there's up to five options in a Twitch poll. Uh, do you want to uh, try and persuade the guy? Do you want to try and intimidate the guy? Do you want to try and this and that and the other? Um, 
and then that'll answer most of the questions. And then when it comes to combat, because there are so many things you can do, I'm not putting a poll for like, do you want to move five feet to the left and then shoot the guy? Do you want right. to do? <laughs> and so for that one, I'll do a giveaway instead. So I'll say if you want to be in with a chance to win, the, uh, if you want to be in with a chance to decide what Apis does on their next turn of combat, uh, type exclamation mark bow into the chat, um, and then uh, we'll go through the initiative and like when it like a couple of pe- a couple of be- people before their turn, I will draw it and say, okay, uh, the fancy unicorn, it's your turn to um, uh, to decide what Apis is doing. Start writing out your movement, your bonus, and your action for the turn, uh, and then I'll do the next couple of things. And then when it gets to them, right, it's your turn. What are we doing? Bam, into the chat. Fancy Unicorn says we are going to oh. uh, run behind the tree, take, uh, use a bonus action to play a warrior, and then take two shots at the goblin that's holding our friend hostage. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Boom. And then we'll roll for it and move on. And then as soon, as, the, awesome, as, soon as their turn is over, I'll go... Uh, <laughs> as soon as their turn is over, I'll go, right, uh, if you want to be in a chance to, to do the next round of combat, uh, type exclamation arrow in the chat. Uh, and then we'll keep going like that until the until the combat's over. Freaking awesome, man! That's really, it's really cool. Good. It's, really, yeah, it's I... really good. It works really well. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, we then edit it down to put it on my YouTube, so it's more of a, a compact thing. It, usually, we get like halved in, in the editing process because we cut out all the poles and stuff. Um, right, right. So we'll, it'll be like three hours at least. So I normally go Sunday mornings, um, nine till noon New Zealand time, uh, and then we'll. And then we'll half it in the uh, in the editing process, taking out the ums and ahs right. and pauses and waiting for the chat to respond and stuff like that. Right, cleaning it up. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's not, you know, and I think we said this when you when you came on the Dungeon Cast. Very much reminds me of the Twitch Place Pokemon. That's it's, it's in a similar vein, but it sounds much more tighter and well organized than yeah. the chaos that was that playthrough. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a pretty fun time. And uh, and then when I started it, there was no one I could find that were doing a similar thing. Um, now there's a few people oh. doing Twitch plays uh, through various TTRPGs, but super uh, cool. Yeah, it was it was good. It was a good way for get for getting people. Because um, I, even back then, I was getting a lot of comments being like, "Hey, how do I play with you? Do you do you DM for hire? Can I hire you?" And I was like, "I I do, but I don't. I'm, I'm my time's all booked up. Like I don't have the yeah. time to do that." Um, so a lot of people wanted to play, but they don't. Or, or, or another bunch of the questions I, I would get often was like, "How does how do I get into D and D? How do I start playing? How do, I don't have a group of friends that want to play, so how do I start playing?" And so I was like play with me like play on us on join the chat and be a part of this hive mind collective that's that's playing every sunday yeah that's really cool i love it yeah it's it's good fun stuff all right uh, i'm aware that i'm taking a bully time you gotta go to work soon so i will quickly ask a couple of the questions that have come in uh luna inverse uh, about an hour ago asked so the name so when you do things like you described where instead of just combat you have players this was about using skill challenges uh, when you have players that are using skills to do things what's a good way to decide what dc they should be my husband and i are just starting to get uh, test the waters with dming okay so the way i do it is in my head before we 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 start it if it if it if it's not pre-planned i have to do it quickly in my head if it is pre-planned i i will set it in the preparation phase uh, i will have based off of their level um what i consider to be an easy uh average or a difficult dc mm-hmm. so um you know easy easy might be as low as 10 um but like if it's a lower level thing we're, we're looking at like 10 12 15 right yeah um and based off what they've told me they want to do um i i try not to give them too many hints uh, <laughs> what what 
DC I'm, I'm going for. Um, I decide whether what they're trying to do should be easy, it should whether it should be of reasonable difficulty, or if it's something that's actually really difficult, so they have to hit the higher DC. Yeah. And then, you know, when they roll, I just apply it to the DC that I think applies. And if it's something that I don't think that they should be able to do, I will tell them that, and I will explain why. Yeah. If they give me a good, you know, counter-argument, they'll be like, okay, you know what, you're right. Um, but most of, most of the time, yeah. yeah, yeah, most of the time, uh, the DM rules, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's generally yeah. how we do the, it. Yeah, um, the the unhelpful answer to this lunar is that uh, a lot of it comes down to just feeling, just experience, just knowing like knowing the sorts of numbers that often come up in the game, and knowing like ah, oh, it's easy to hit a ten, it's not so easy to hit an eighteen. Um, and yep. just kind of coming up with it on the fly. So yeah, if you've got time to prep, you've got time, and if not, you don't. Uh, I have got a, a custom-made DM screen for the Viva stuff, and uh, oh, right, awesome. right there in the very top left corner, so that I know exactly where it is, is a table that says setting a DC. Uh, and I've gone from mm -hmm. exceptionally easy of a DC of three. Technically, you can still fail it if you've got like a negative two modifier to something, and you roll, you yeah. roll poorly, but it is exceptionally easy. The vast majority of people are going to breeze it. Most people are not even going to need to make the check in the first place uh exceptionally right. easy three very easy six easy nine moderate 12 and so on all the way up to nearly impossible at 30 so i just go right. this is going to be a pretty challenging thing so i'll go down challenging 18 there you go uh and, and yep. i'll just kind of flesh it out and the other thing i want to say about D setting dcs is that i never really set a dc i i uh well not never but very very few times will I actually have a set number in my head that they have to meet because if I say like 18 and they get a 17 it's not like an immediate fail it's kind of something I've loosely stolen from 2d6 systems like um done uh, uh monster of the week stuff where you uh where, where degrees like of failure a, and success yeah, you've got a yeah. absolute failure failure mixed success uh success and great success and uh and so I kind of have sliding scales where I'm like uh, they'll roll, they'll say 14, and I'll go, 14, yeah, that's that's enough to get this much information if it's like a history check. Or uh, you kind of grab a hold of him, but he's it's not it's, it's loose. He's going to have advantage to break out of it. Or, like, I'll, I'll, I'll just base on the number that they've got, like how well they succeeded or failed. Sometimes, obviously, it's like, did you open the door or not? Did you did you make it to the other platform or not? Like, some things are a little bit more black and white. Yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, I, I exactly, exactly. Yeah, slide, I do the exact scale same thing. Successes. Um, Fancy Unicorn asked. Uh, you mentioned a social media manager. How big is your team? How did it, how did it grow? We talked about how big your team is, but how did it how did it grow? What did you start out with? Just you and Brian, and then who was the next? Just started out with me and Brian, and then um, you know you know Jake and Josh came on. Just were guests on the show whenever they like mm -hmm. were were available and made sense. And then of course Super Quest Saga happened, and then. Um, Basically what happened was we realized that we were just, we were a mess. Like emails were, we weren't getting back to anybody. We, you know, it was hard to find the time to stay organized. The schedule was getting messed up. Um, me and Brian are both freaking dinosaurs and don't know how to run anything on, on the internet when it comes to social media. And uh, we just, we recognized our own failings and decided we needed to hire people who were, who, who could do those things. And uh, luckily we, we, we knew people through our discord um, who uh, have a lot of experience in those avenues, yeah. and so we reached out and we negotiated uh, contracts, and now we have uh, employees. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and the last question that we had in was also from the Fancy Unicorn. Did you lean into advertising or just word of mouth to grow? 
Um, we've leaned into mostly word of mouth and encouraging our audience to spread the word through contests here and there. Yeah. Um, but it, we haven't really spent much on advertising until very recently over this last year and a half. We've, we've, we've spent some money here and there and with mixed results, it's been, you know, some more successful than others. Um, and also cross promotion has been something we've been leaning into lately, but for the first five years, it was pretty much word of mouth. And again, me and Brian are not only dinosaurs when it comes to technology, despite, you know, our age group, uh, we are also incredibly introverted, both of us. And so we're not great at socializing with, with other content creators. And that is something that we've set out to drastically change. Like we can't just keep living in our cave. We gotta, yeah. we gotta participate in the world. Damn it. So here we are. <laughs> well, welcome to my channel. <laughs> Thank you for having me, by the way. I, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, Lefty has just come in with a question. Uh, if you could DM for any table, who would your players be? Oh, like I get, I get a group of players. Who, who do you want to play with? Let's say living on. Like, dead. are we talking about like real people? Oh, yeah, my real, gosh. real um, people living on dead. Or characters, I guess. Like, if you, if you, if you really um, want to DM for Mickey Mouse. That is. That is a question that that's a difficult question to answer. Do you do you have an answer to this question? Um, I, I mean, think... there's the usual suspects of like the people that we think of as as uh, huge in the D and D world because of how awesome it would be to be like oh wow i dm'd for the critical role guys or whatever but i think yeah. i think just like people who would be fun to play people like jack black and robin williams and just like oh, people yeah. who have got yeah, such uh, such um contagious uh, comedic personalities and um people who have clearly shown to be into D D, despite maybe what the stereotypes would have you believe like vin diesel and uh, and um Terry oh Rose yeah, yeah. And, uh the rock would probably be really fun to play with um, oh yeah that's a good choice that's yeah good just choice. I just like i don't know like just anybody who is super into the game and uh, and and super into character creation and stuff comedians uh i don't know yeah Com comedians are a strong choice to anyone who, who who can do improv and that, that leans comedy yeah. Um, I mean, there are countless celebrities that I could pick for this list, and I think Jack Black is definitely near the top of my list. I love that man. I love both his his comedy style and and his music a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think honestly, if I'm going to answer this question honestly, um, there are a, quite a few people in my life, people that you know, family members and longtime friends that I know would love this game if they just gave it a chance. Yeah. But getting them to, to, to <laughs> give it a chance is yeah. it's impossible. You just can't get them to do yeah. it. But like, if I could get my dad to sit down and play this game, yeah. I know he would be in love with it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, I would get just a certain group of particular friends and family members that I know would love this game if they if they gave it a chance. Um, and that's the table that I would run. Um, fun fact: Josh Freeland, who is so integral to the show, um, it took me three years of knowing him to get him to finally try it. <laughs> and once he tried it, he was in love. And now. He runs games. He plays, you know, obviously with us, and yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's my answer. That's yeah, my answer. that is a good answer. I um, I have yeah, none of my family understand what I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do, do, same. You, living, living, <laughs> um, but I know that like so, I've got a uh, I've got some nephews and uh, a niece in the UK that I've not even met because I live in New Zealand now. Um, but uh, my brothers, they're just like 
tradesmen, carpenters, they, they, you know, work with their hands for a living, very different lifestyle. Um, so when I go back to the UK, uh, I just know that I'm going to start my nephew uh, on on the game. I'm going to play with him because he's super into storytelling and he's super into creative writing. He's, uh, he's, he's, I started doing a FaceTime, uh, relatively recently just because I realized they're growing up without me. They don't know who I am. (laughs) I need to be in their life. And, and, uh, and he was taught when I first timed him a little while ago, he was talking about, um, a project at school where they were learning about Greek mythology, and I was like, "Wait there!" <laughs> and I, off and I, got my, I got my like Minotaur and my, I, got my, I got my Manticores and my Medusas, and I was like, "Do you know who this is?" And there's a Medusa, and look at this. And he was so into it that That's I was cool. like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to the UK and I'm gonna play a game of D and D for him, and I'm gonna rope my brother into playing with me, and, and then um, I know that they'll just get." absolutely into it and uh and oh yeah they'll probably keep going without me i'm sure that's my that's my hope that it'll be like you'll get i know um keep playing when i leave i know i know brian uh his daughter she's like four years old and he's already doing like little like proto proto dean yeah, style yeah. games with her and she she loves it and bedtime stories where you're getting them to get yeah so what happens next exactly. what does the princess do next and they're just immediately mm-hmm. in it i've used to dm for kids as like part of my job um, and they've just got boundless creativity, and and a lot yeah, of people really th- think that they need to be like coddled around like certain materials and stuff, like like oh to keep the combat away from them and things. And it's like no, they mm-hmm. give them the option and they'll keep they'll combat if they want. They they want if they don't. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I would be like oh there's a troll attacking the trees, and these nine year olds would be like let's kill it, <laughs> let's, let's, yeah. let's shoot it, <laughs> and, so shoot it in the head. I'm gonna stab <laughs> it in the legs. I'm gonna st- <laughs> chop it up. I'm gonna. I was like, okay, its blood is coming out of its, and it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch its blood so we can use it in troll medicine. And so just like the, they, they already know how to play. They're yeah, good. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> That's yeah, good cool. Stuff. Uh, last question that we've got in is from Lucifer in disguise, who says, "How long have you been shouting out to Demogorgon?" Sorry, not a D and D question. More the dungeon cast. A long time listener. Yeah, to you that's guys. a D and D one. Um, Shout out to I cannot, re- I cannot remember a time. <laughs> where Demogorgon was not an integral part of my life. Uh, he is he is love, he is life, he is all. Shout out, to <laughs> Shout out what to a, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful way to end the uh, the episode. So thank you very Absolutely. much for, for joining us. Uh, if you are joining from my community, as most people here are, I'm sure, uh, this is William This on this side. This is William uh, from the Dungeon Cast, one half of the Dungeon Cast. We will get Brian mm-hmm. on when he is less busy oh, yeah. uh, some other time in the future. Where can people find you and the Dungeon Cast one last time? Um, you can find us on YouTube. Just search the Dungeon Cast. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, and any podcast app that you use. I personally use Podcast Addict. We're on there, too. Um, just look up the Dungeon Cast. We'll, we'll pop up. And uh, if you are joining from my community and you don't know who I am, I'm Robert Hartley GM. I am uh, I'm frozen is what I am because I went off the I clicked off of the screen. Oops, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm Robert Hartley GM. I am a full-time professional dungeon master. Uh, I DM for a comedy group called Viva the Dirt League on YouTube, which is what I'm most well-known for. But in my own right, I also stream on Twitch about five or six days a week doing D&D-related things, but not actual plays. Uh, I do uh, the interactive Twitch Tales campaign. I do Robert Reed's reading some books. I do a um, behind-the-scenes look at the latest episode of the Viva the Dirt League stuff and talk like uh, behind the screen, I call it, and give all, all of the goss that happened and my decisions and sort of tips and tricks for DMing and things like that. Uh, and I have a YouTube channel where I put various things out on there as well. So you can find me in a lot of places awesome. there. Um, 
we'll leave it there then. Thank you very much for joining us. I am going to head Thank over you. to Twitch and see if we can find uh, someone to raid, shall we? All right. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to the chat for joining me, and thanks for uh, for your patience. I know that in short rests I don't tend to interact with the chat too much because I've got a, a fantastic guest to chat to instead. <laughs> but thank you for your questions towards the end there. And uh, thank you, everyone. And uh, we hope to see you at the next one. Sounds good. I'd, I'd be happy to come on again. I can't wait to see Brian come on the show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye. That's all for that episode of Short Rest, but if you want to be there for the next one live, don't forget to head over to twitch.tv forward slash robertheartleygm and click the little love heart to follow the channel. Alternatively, you could wait for it to hit my YouTube channel at robertheartleygm, or if you really enjoy my work and want me to keep making it, head over to patreon.com and consider supporting me a few dollars a month. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.